You are listening to the world's best professional, not amateur, professional wrestling podcast, the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I, of course, am the king of banter, Joe Lanza, and I am joined by the captain, secretly sassy Rich Creech. Rich, I get to ask you the how are you, even though I don't really care how you are. How are you? Yeah, I am good. I am good. I uh, I don't know if you noticed it right there, but you gave yourself one nickname and you gave me two. That's right. That may be the first time in the history of the show that I have had more nicknames than you uh, to open one of these shows. So now, now I'm feeling great. I was feeling a little down in the dumps, a little depressed, but now I'm feeling good, man. I got the two nicknames and you only got one. So uh, there you go. I went with King of Banter and then I'll be honest, even though I have 19 other nicknames, I choked and I forgot them. <laughs> I was going to because you don't have them written down, right? When you yeah. rattle them off like that, there's not like a word doc that you open up to go, okay, here's, like, they're just in your head. They're in my head. Correct? Yeah, that's, that's I mean, that's that's insane, first off. But uh, it's good. It's admirable, though, that you can rail off, like, 15 of them <laughs> off the top of your head. And they seem to be, the, the thing that I love the most about it is they seem to always be in a very, a very regimented order. Like, they're always kind of one leads into the other. Kind of a David Starr-esque thing that you have going on here where, you know, but it's not, you know, ring announcer with a card saying, all right, the Bernie Sanders of wrestling, da, 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 da. he's really good at Twitter, like, yada, yada, all the David Starr stuff. But you do it off the top of your head in, like, a pretty good, I don't know if you noticed, but it is, is always in, like, a pretty pretty solid order. Is that is that intentional or does it just kind of happen that way? It's easier to remember them in order, and it's like, I'll say one, and it leads to the other, and they're all in order in my head. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it is not. It is it's the most narcissistic thing uh, any human being maybe has ever. But I, I, I appreciate it all the same. But I'll tell you what happened here. I always start with the king of banter. And I said the king of banter this time. But then for whatever reason, I forgot what the next one usually was. And it broke the chain. And then once it broke the chain, I couldn't think of any. So then I just went in to introducing the other guy. You know what I mean? But... Because I wasn't prepared. You kind of threw it on me last second. Joe, you want to do the intro this week? It kind of caught me off guard. So I was a little rattled, I'll be honest. You know, even though this is a professional operation and I'm very good at this, I got a little rattled there when you just threw it on me. But I could rattle them all off in order off the top of my head if you'd like me to right now. Would you like me to do that? Uh, yeah, please do. Please do. It doesn't feel right that you did the intro and only did, did one of your nicknames. So go ahead whenever you're ready. <clears throat> I am the king of banter, the most compelling voice in wrestling there media, a reasoned and well-explained man, the leader of the hardcore wrestling intelligentsia, an internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist as heard on BBC Radio, and a good family man, Joe Lanza. How's that? There we go. Bravo. That's the Bravo. order, right? Nicely That's done. The order. Nicely done. I believe so. That Everything sounded right there. Uh, maybe somebody, a more astute listener might be able to say, ah, no, actually, <laughs> as heard on BBC Radio is usually after, but I think as, as far as in my head, it felt right. Yeah. So that's all that matters, really. So I think they're actually in the order that they were dubbed to me by the, by the list. That is possible. That is possible, because a very good family man is, is the most recent. Uh, or actually, the most recent is uh, disingenuous parentheses at times. Yeah, we've kind of dropped that one. Yeah, that one comes and goes, which is fine. That one's not that good anyway. So um, I could add it back in if you really want. I mean, no, no, it's fine. I like that it's sometimes it comes in and then sometimes it goes away. It's 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 appropriate for that for that nickname because it's a pretty terrible nickname. I mean, it's a good nickname that we've sort of made our own, but it's a pretty terrible. It's nickname. It's way too, too so. inside baseball is the problem, <laughs> right? Like a maybe forty five people understand what the joke is. It, so it, that's I not mean, good. And that and that used to work. That used to work for the show. That's right. We got too many listeners now to worry about forty five people. It's it, that I think is generous. Like. The guy who dubbed me that understands it, and I know he's listening. 
And then there's like maybe a half dozen other people who have any clue what that means. So, you know, that one falls by the wayside. But uh, that's the nickname process. I got another nickname for you, Krach. Go ahead. What do you got? The Fiend. Ooh. <laughs> Are you familiar with that I do that make nickname? men shriek in the corner. Yeah, I do. That is uh, definitely me. Yeah, The Fiend, uh, Rich Krach. I like it. Uh, it's not bad. Uh, is that taken by any uh, anybody else right now? Or is that it completely is, mine? It is taken by the second most over murder clown in professional wrestling. <laughs> the Fiend the first, Bray Wyatt. He is the uh, second most over murder clown and the first ever uh, scary wrestling character of all time, too. So impressive feats by uh, one Bray Wyatt uh, these days. Yeah. Um, I find this whole thing fascinating. And I just had to... We, I, I had to make it a segment on the show to discuss it because I think there's so much to unpack with this. Starting with, Rich, did you see the end of Raw this week? I did see the end of Raw. I made, it, I, I saw the gifts, and then I said, "Oh boy, <laughs> I have to see what led to this." Because I just saw the one gif of uh, the, the one that kind of went around of, of Seth Rollins screaming in the corner with the lights flashing everywhere, and I just went, "Oh boy, <laughs> I need to find out what happened here, what led to this, the circumstances of this. I need to know everything about this." And uh, so I went up on the YouTubes, and uh, it's all there. You can all watch it there, so you don't have to watch it on Monday Night Raw, which is, is good. It's nice and convenient. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite the scene here. So people that did not see it, uh, essentially Bray Wyatt or The Fiend, sorry. But, no, no, I think in canon he's Bray Wyatt, correct? Like, I, I think that Seth Rollins has addressed him as Bray Wyatt. Okay, you admittedly are not a viewer of The Monday Night Raw. Is that correct? No. Okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> very, very correct. He is, he is Bray Wyatt. He does the uh, dopey Firefly Funhouse. I know about that, but have they addressed it as like yeah, exp- he's not a new guy? He's not a supernatural being. He is Bray Wyatt. Listen, I'm as far I'm, as we know, I'm explaining it to you. Okay, okay, go ahead. I'm explaining right, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. it to you. Jeez. Okay. So I know the Firefly Funhouse. Yeah, he does yeah. the Firefly Funhouse, and he's 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 Bray, right? But then like he'll snap. You know, you'll see him snap in his head, right? Or one of the dopey puppets will upset him, or something. Okay. And then they, like, flash an image of the Fiend. Okay, so the Fiend is, like, his alter ego. Got it. When he goes from over-the-top, goofy children's show, but very much clearly a psychopath, Bray Wyatt, to now I'm going to murder people, starting with Finn Balor, who apparently is dead. Remember, he broke his neck. Correct. At the pay-per-view. So we've gone full Lucha Underground with this crap. Um, so yes, it is Bray Wyatt and Cannon, to answer your question. And he becomes the fiend, right? And all the puppets understand that this man turned... Are you even listening? Like, I'm, I'm listening. For an yeah, outsider I don't know why, to be listening, I, listening to this conversation, it's like... <laughs> We are talking about pro wrestling, which is kind Professional of... Professional wrestling, yeah. I was, I was about to say, so it's, it's unlike... In some ways, Bray is being smarter than than the aforementioned Finn Balor because the Finn Balor he brings out the demon, which is you know Finn Balor in canon, but it's also like when he's when he means business, he's the demon. Oh, unfortunately, except, he means business he at like a, very terrible times. That's right, right. <laughs> unfortunately, he, he means business against Baron Corbin, but not for like a world title match like that. It's that it's just like ah, whatever. We'll see what happens. But like, oh man, if I got to beat Baron Corbin in the ring here, one, two, three, I got to bring out the demon. So so he is smarter about that. So he's basically just always in the wrestling ring so far that we've seen him, The Fiend, and he's not going to come out as dopey, 
Firefly Funhouse, Bray Wyatt, because that's not good. The Fiend is one that wins, and Bray Wyatt doesn't win. Right, this man is much smarter about strategically bringing out his alter ego. Uh, Finn Balor was, like, awful at that, as you so eloquently put it. You know, world title match? I don't need it. I'm going to do this one on my own. Raw match against Baron Corbin? I need to be that demon. (laughs) The demon, baby, let's go, yeah. Yeah, he he, complete moron, you know. But yeah, so... He'll do the Firefly Funhouse thing, and then it'll, you know, they'll flash the fucking mask at the end of it. And that tips you off, all right, the Fiend's coming later. Okay? Which, you know, I, I hate to jump so far ahead, but it's a lot of people are telling me, well, you know, because my argument is it's not nearly as over as people think it is because look at the raw ratings every week, you know? And a lot of the counter-arguments are, well, they never advertise The Fiend. No, but they're, they're telling you he's coming in those segments when, it, when, it, when they flash the mask. Like, that's your tip-off. I'm coming out later to come after Seth. They did it last week, they did it this week. So, you know, you don't have to advertise it. They're hitting you with the subtlety hammer. You gotta be a complete moron to not understand that he's gonna come out later in the show. Right, it's also 2019, and like I get it on like 1993 Raws when you're like, oh, I don't know if Hogan's coming out or whatever, because you didn't know. Or they would tell you off the bat, hey, Hogan's coming out, and then you would know, oh, fuck, I better hang around because Hogan's coming out. But sometimes you turn on Raw and, you know, Hogan wouldn't show up, or Bret Hart wouldn't be there that night, or Randy Savage wasn't there. That You know what I mean? Like, that that was kind of the case. But it's 2019, like, WWE, like, you can pretty much assume in that three-hour program that everybody that's in a major... Uh, you know, major program for the pay per view. Everybody that's that's the the main event players are probably going to show up on that show at some point. Yeah. So yeah, I don't get that they just said, "Well, I don't think the Fiend is going to show up, so I'm turning off Monday Night Raw and watching Monday Night Football instead." Because, gosh darn it, the guy I'm trying to see, I don't know if he's going to be on the show, so I'm going to move off and, and go watch another show. So yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know if I buy that either. So, but again, that's jumping ahead a few minutes because, um, I, you know, I asked you if you had seen the closing segment, which you did, Rich. That may have been the corniest, hokiest cornball fucking thing I've ever seen on a wrestling show. I mean, I don't even know if you know, if that's if there's even any hyperbole in that statement. It's worse than anything I saw on Lucha Underground. Um, and Lucha Underground, you know, killed characters and did all kinds of. They had drag, you know, Drago flying off into the fucking sky. Um, you know, which is why I hand waved that junk and stopped watching it. But it's like Seth Rollins facial expressions. Now, the week before was bad enough where Seth, like, had his eyes closed because he didn't want to look at Bray Wyatt. cowering, like, crying. Yeah, he was, <laughs> like, I don't... What's the correct... There, there's a there's a verb that I'm looking for here, but, yeah, I mean, cowering or... or I, I don't know what it was, but, yeah, he was, like, trying to hold back tears. He just didn't want to... Oh, he just didn't want to see it. He's right. like a, a nine-year-old that's afraid of the monster in the closet. And he just, you know, he's going to open that closet, but he's going to keep his eyes closed when he opens it, just in case that monster's behind the closet or he's looking under his bed or, you know, some some are you afraid of the dark bullshit that's going on on uh, this rest, professional wrestling program on Night Raw. So. Yeah, to remind you, this is a wrestling show. <laughs> right. So I saw someone defending it on Twitter, and they were like, oh, this is such great storytelling because... Uh, Seth just wants to close his eyes and make it all go away. And I'm <laughs> what a and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this is the lead babyface, arguably in the company, and the world champion. Who the fuck books the lead babyface in their pro wrestling company and their world champion in this manner? He shouldn't be afraid of anyone. Especially Bray Wyatt, who he's wrestled countless times on top of it. Right? So then it's like, you're making him look like an absolute 
geek. I mean, you're, I mean, it, it just makes Seth Rollins look like a, a straight up coward, and he's your lead babyface world champion. And then that wouldn't be. Now, here's the thing about that. It's like, but at the same time, Seth Rollins is like so, like not over as a lead babyface world champion that it almost doesn't matter, provided The Fiend wins the match at the pay-per-view. Because you can't really kill Seth Rollins because he's not really over at a meaningful level anyway. So it's like, on one hand, it's silly to book your lead babyface this way. On the other hand, what are you really burning off? It's Seth Rollins. Right. Like everyone right. understand like uh, yeah, he has his fans and all, but but look, we we look, anyone who studies this stuff understands that he's not over anywhere close to a meaningful level with the masses. Um he has presided as the top babyface over the worst drawing period in the history of Monday Night Raw. I mean, that those are facts. That isn't Joe and Rich banging on WWE or banging on Seth Rollins, who I have nothing against. I am so neutral on Seth Rollins as a performer and a wrestler and everything else. But the facts are the facts. His world title, his universal title reign, whatever dopey title is on that show, it's a universal title, right? Yeah. Correct. His universal, which is really the top title. His universal title reign and his run on top of Raw since WrestleMania, it's an objective fact that it has drawn some of, you know, the worst viewership in the modern history of Monday Night Raw. So he is not connecting with the audience anyway. So, on a meaningful level whatsoever. Okay? He's one of the worst world champions they've ever had from a business perspective. And I don't think anyone who really understands it, studies it, looks at it, would argue with that. Maybe he's not the worst, but he's... It's not good. What's gone on with Seth Rollins? I mean, they're trying to make Seth Rollins happen and it's not going to happen. I think we all understand that at this point. Okay? So it's like, on one hand, you'd be really mystified that they would treat their top guy like this. But on the other hand, it's Seth Rollins. But if you're going to do well, this and make him look well, like it, I'm almost done. But if, yeah, you, yeah, but, but if you're going to do this and book him like this, then The Fiend has to win. That That's the only catch there. Okay, now you have to go all the way with it and with, with this gimmick and, they, and he has to win at the paper. So what I was going to say, though, is you were saying that, like, oh, it's perplexing that you would book your, your, your top baby face like this and yada, yada and all that sort of stuff. But I, I, you know, my rebuttal would be, is it for this company? I mean, this is kind of what and this, it, it speaks to a larger issue that you're saying there is that you make your lead baby face look like an absolute fucking geek. And, and, and you it's all for the fiend, which is fine. Like if, if like you said, if the build is going to be that the fiend goes and beats him at Hell in a Cell and wins the title, then it's fine. Then it was all worth it. Here's what's worse. For- it's not even just a geek. He's a sniveling coward. Right, right. So it, it it makes it that much, yeah, that much worse. But have they really? I mean, look at look at the last five years. Look at the last ten years of this company. Have they really booked babyfaces much better than this? No, they have. I mean, Daniel Bryan was doing the same thing to Kane, you know, back in 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 many many years ago. John Cena would do the same thing for Kane back those many many years ago. You, you know, despite the fact that you know Bray Wyatt's the first, you know, the Fiend's the first spooky character in wrestling history. Kane was doing the same shit. Remember when Kane was stealing Eve Torres and and John Cena was trying to help Zack Ryder and Eve Torres and he was throwing them off stages and all this bullshit and 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 Daniel Bryan and Kane and that whole feud and everything was going on there and, and like this is how they've done it for a lot of their baby faces for a lot of years. You know, just then those are just examples of spooky baby faces, let alone like Brock Lesnar just going in there and beating whoever the fuck the baby face is in two minutes and and taking his title. I mean, this is the way 
And it speaks to a larger issue with this company. And, and it's been kind of funny where, you know, we've been talking about the Fiend, and, and we'll get to that here in a second. And we've had people in our mentions saying, well, n- nobody's over, so he's the most over of everybody. And, well, nobody watches and all this. And we hear all these excuses and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, I, no shit. No one's over. <laughs> like, that's the fucking that's point. And, and stuff like this is why. And it's, you know, they're, they're doing a good job at the Fiend. I, I'm not disagree with, like, whether or not you, you like this thing or you think it's stupid or whatever. Yeah, I, I you know, what you and I can argue about that in a bit here. But... At the end of the day, like the reason why nobody's over and nobody cares and and all this sort of stuff that people will say on our mentions when they're trying to defend, you know, the company and defend, you know, the booking is that's exactly the issue is that, yes, nobody is over. And and stuff like this, where Seth Rollins, your lead babyface, your champion, the guy that won at WrestleMania or whatever, and and, and won the title back from Brock Lesnar is the Beast Slayer, you know, is sitting there in the corner screaming and then not opening his eyes because he's too scared of the spooky guy in the ring. Like that's. There it is, right there. That's where it's not good. Like yeah, that's the, where the, the, the spook- issue lies. The spooky guy. He's wrestled a thousand times already, too. Which again, I can't get past that. I, you know, it. Well, oh, and that's why I asked if, like, in canon, it's it, it's addressed it that like these no, are kind of the same guy. And and but I guess the, the 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 argument that people say, oh, the rebuttal is, well, this is a different guy because it's the fiend, and that's a different Bray Wyatt, which I do agree with. And and this kind of leads us to talk about the fiend a little bit here. Well, then let me ask you this then. Okay, then then. Okay, so then are we supposed to believe that he's literally a monster? Because that's almost worse than anything else we're talking about. Right. I kind of absurd. think they are, right? And then, it, it, oh, God. I mean, he destroyed Braun Strowman. <laughs> you know, like, right? And people wonder, and listen, and people wonder why we, taught, why we open up the show talking about Kento Miyahara. All right? How can I take this seriously or want to even discuss it? <laughs> They want you to believe this man it's a big is, spooky is monster. literally a murderer and a monster. This is, and again, this is not me being inconsistent. Okay, I how many times have I come on this show and talked about why I hand waved Lucha Underground, right? How many times have we come on this show and completely buried AEW's assorted nonsense? They don't have a horror monster, but they've got librarians and fucking Michael Nakazawa wrestling the video game guy. How many times have we you know come on this show and buried that shit? So it's not like I'm being intellectually inconsistent, right? It's just it's just per- perplexingly dumb. And here's the thing I want to counter one of the points you made. You say they always book their baby faces like this. I'd argue they haven't even booked Seth Rollins like this. He's not scared of Brock Lesnar. He's not scared of Braun Strowman, right? He, you know, it's like you're inadvertently burying those two guys. Because number one, Braun Strowman is like a side player in this whole story who Seth kind of just handles with ease, even though he's Braun Strowman, who was pushed as the monster, who was, who was also pushed as a literal monster. You notice they don't do that anymore. No, yeah, he was able to lift cars and, yeah. and throw ambulances, but now, yeah, now he just, the fiend just beats him up. So. You, know who he, you know what Braun Strowman is now? He's the fucking big show. He's a, he's a giant guy who they no longer treat special he's big show in like 2000 what year do i want here help me you know better than me Ooh, okay he's like so 2007 you- big show where he's just a guy on the roster you know what i mean like in random tag teams and just losing he can go 50 50 with i'm gonna change your date th- i'm gonna change your year there if you don't mind yeah that's fine I think 1999 is more the, the big show you're looking for because he comes in with all this hype. He does all this sort of stuff. He, he, blazes, he blazes through stuff for like two months. And then by the end of the year, he's just in like bullshit. I mean, he wins a title somewhere along the line there, but he's still just in bullshit. He's like a secondary guy. 2000, he's just doing comedy bullshit. And then he goes to fat camp. And then he goes away. Like, cause I, I forget what year it was, but then there was a year where, where, where Heyman got his hands on him. 
and basically just like brought him to SmackDown and just made him like a million. He, he was awesome again yeah. for like another year. And then he did the ECW run, which is actually pretty good too. Like anytime Heyman got this guy, he knew what to do with him. Surprise, surprise. Right. But then pretty much add any year besides, and I don't know the exact years or uh, off the top of my head, but the year Heyman got him on SmackDown, the year Heyman got him on ECW, and pretty much every other year after that, like you said, Big Show was just a dude that they would dust off every so often and, and use. So, but particularly like 1999, 2000 is, is, is a good comp because he came in with like all this monster hype of like, oh my God, he ripped through the ring. He jumped, you know, he, he tossed Austin through the cage and, you know, he broke the cage because he was so strong and he was doing all this sort of stuff. And then by like the end of the year, you know, he wins a title, but he's just kind of doing bullshit and he's not doing anything. And then by 2000, he's just a comedy guy you know, dancing around, fucking around, doing all that sort of stuff. And, and they never got the magic back with him ever again until, you know, a few different periods where, where Heyman got his hand on him, but no, you're, it's absolutely a great comp where, yeah. you know, he was just a dude until, and they would, and occasionally like every, you know, year or two, they would say, oh my God, the big show, he's a big monster. Oh my God. And yeah, he'd yeah, beat a bunch of people. For and one, then for one pay-per-view cycle. Exactly. Then somebody would beat him and then he'd go back to just being normal big show guy. So. Right. Just another guy on the roster who happened to be big. And that's what Braun is now. And that's what he's going to be forever. You, you can just smell it. They've, does Braun feel special to you at all anymore? Oh at God, least, no. At least when we made fun of the way that they pushed him, he felt special. We didn't like it. I don't want to see this guy doing feats of strength, right? It was all silly to me, but he did feel special, okay? The Fiends feel special now. That I'm not, I'm not even saying the Fiend doesn't feel special, and we can get back to the Fiend in a second. But it's like, from this point forward, Braun, he's going to be the big show. They will push him as an unstoppable monster, for random pay-per-view cycles, and then it's right back to fucking going 50-50 with fucking whoever the fuck. Mojo Rawley. Maybe not Mojo Rawley, but that's the first one that popped in my head for some reason. Um, but anyway, so The Fiend, now look, I do, you know, if the goal is to make this character feel unstoppable, I mean, they're doing a great job of that. Okay. Um, a couple of weeks ago after Raw, might have been two weeks ago after Raw, you know, I even went public on Twitter and said, hey, look, it, this character is connecting with their audience. It's not for me at all. I have no use for it. I watch this and I laugh at it. I think it's ridiculous. It's not what I want in my wrestling. Anybody who listens to this show understands that. In fact, to me, it's a turn off. You know, The Fiend is the kind of character where if we didn't do this show, and we didn't own this website and all those sorts of things. It would drive me away from the product. That's how bad it is to me. I think it's very much among the worst things I've ever seen in wrestling. I'm that strongly opposed to it. I think it's horrible. Um, I think, you know, if does WrestleCrap still exist? Because this is destined for uh, WrestleCrap does, yeah. I don't know if this is up there yet, but uh, I'm sure the, the entry is, is half written already. So well, here's WrestleCrap the thing. is still around. It won't be on there yet because there's a lot of people who do enjoy it. I think histor- I think. With the benefit of time, people are going to look back at this and know that it was garbage. But we're still in the moment, and there's still a lot of people who seem to be into it. And I even acknowledged that a couple of weeks ago. And I thought to myself, you know what? They might have something here with this. Even though it's not for me, I have to acknowledge they might be onto something with this character. Then this week happened, and I expected uh, you know, a little momentum to start rolling. And then I look at the raw numbers... They're down from last week after they did the first big angle with Seth. They had the same uh, percentage of drop from hour one to hour three that they've had for like the last year. So that didn't change at all. And uh, they were down against last year. And it's like, okay, 
you can't tell me then, there's no longer an argument that this is some kind of hot character or hot angle. This is not a hot character. And it, it was not a hot angle last week when everybody thought it may have been. Because hot characters and hot angles do not have negative growth the very next week. Year over year, week over week, and hour over hour. So I'm sorry. We deal with facts on this show. Okay? You can't tell me that, you know, this is the hottest act in wrestling or the most overact in wrestling, like people are trying to tell us, when there is zero evidence to support that. None. There's not a shred of evidence to support that. Because if that angle had gotten over, like people thought it did, like even I thought it did, two weeks ago, there would have been some momentum coming into this week. And there is none. Does that mean it'll never catch on? I don't know the answer to that. If you're putting a gun to my head, no. Because this is the apex, okay? He'll probably win the title at the pay-per-view, and then what do you do with this well, and, and, and And that's my biggest thing, is, is and, and that's what I'm most curious about, is because I think so far, whether it's for me or not for me, I think that they've done, you know, even if the business, I think they've done a good, quote-unquote, good job with this character. Would you agree? Describe, I mean, despite the business, all that sort of stuff, they've done it, I think, right. He goes Rich, in there and he beats I people said, up. Yeah, as I said, if their goal is to create a new character that that appears to be dominant and unstoppable, they've done a tremendous job, yes. Right, right. And they, and they have. And, and the, the big thing that I mentioned this a few weeks ago when we were talking about The Fiend and, and, and sort of the momentum that he was, he, he was gathering is that the biggest thing that I'm going to worry about and the biggest thing I have a huge question for at Hell in a Cell is the second that bell rings... And the house lights turn on. If it's just Bray Wyatt out there wrestling a twenty-five minute back and forth fifty-fifty match with Seth Rollins and 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 powering up and, and using all of his offense for ten minutes and doing nerve holds or whatever, and then Seth teases a curb, like uh, you know exactly WWE main event style, the, the same thing that they do with everybody besides Brock Lesnar. Then how is he going to be different than everybody but Brock Lesnar? And that that's my biggest thing. Do they have the balls to have him go in there and just beat Seth Rollins in two minutes? Beat Seth Rollins in five minutes? You know, because that's what you would have to do in this case. Like, that's what I think they should do in this case. Really, if, if you're talking about how would I do it, you know, what would my next step be? Is that this guy goes in there and beats the fuck out of Seth Rollins, takes his title, and it's like, holy fuck. This guy, who's going to stop this guy? And then he just keeps doing this shit until you decide you're ready for the next guy to challenge or whatever. But, like, at some point, there's going to be, at some point, those house lights have to turn on and he's going to have to wrestle. And is it going to be tailored to Bray Wyatt's skill set, which is pretty bad, which is pretty low level? Or are they going to eventually just start making him... Wrestle 25 minute back and forth WWE main event style matches. And if that happens, then how is this going to be any different than the Bray Wyatt we saw for the last five years? So that, that's that's my biggest question. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by it, actually. It actually has me interested in Hell in the Cell to see what happens because it, it's been a while since we've had a character where it felt like, okay, they may have something here with this guy, but what are they going to do? The, the follow up, the next step, the, the the that next leap that they have to take, that's the fascinating part with it. And, and they don't have a great track record for that. So I'm not sure, you know, whether to have any sort of confidence in them at all to do it. I'll tell you what I would do. What I would do at the pay-per-view, and this is coming from someone who thinks that this is a horrible gimmick, and I I think it's a joke. But what I would do at the pay-per-view is just go all the way with it. You've already emasculated Seth Rollins and made him look like an absolute coward. So there's no reason to protect him whatsoever. I'd have The Fiend win in 90 seconds. I'd have him go in there. I'd have Seth Rollins look bewildered like he doesn't even know what to do with this man. He doesn't know whether to attempt to lock up. He doesn't know whether to attack him. And he just gets completely overwhelmed. He debuts a couple of new moves. 
Because you got to add new wrinkles for the reasons you're saying. He can't just be... He can't go in there and crab walk. Okay? He can't go in there and do the Bray Wyatt fucking... You know, he's got to bring something new to the table. Sort of like, look, it's kind of like what they did with, with Balor, right? He just squashed him and broke his neck. I would do the exact same thing with Seth. You know, and just have him do that neck break deal and beat him in 90 seconds and really make a statement and go all the way with the mega push. Because you're really not sacrificing anything with Seth. I don't think he's over on a meaningful level anyway. They have the data. They know he's not over at a meaningful level. And, you know, if you're going to try to get this thing to catch on, the last thing you need to do is have him go on the pay-per-view and have a 50-50 match with Seth Rollins. Right. Who you've established is terrified of him. Just squash him. Break his neck too. Have him go away for a few weeks. And, you know, and, and, and go all the way with this thing. Okay? Do I think it'll eventually catch on? I I don't have a good feeling about it. And I've been the lone voice on a lot of gimmicks and a lot of pushes and that, and I've turned out to be right. And I just don't have a good feeling about this one. I, in talking to people today on Twitter and reading a bunch of articles and, and, and watching Raw and everything over the last couple of days and listening to, to, to other people's audio and whatnot and getting a lot of different opinions, I've settled on the idea that The Fiend is very much over and a, a huge success with the people who already watch Raw every week and are going to continue to watch Raw every week until they die. Those people love this. Okay, it's connecting with them. But we don't have any evidence whatsoever that's connecting with anybody else. It's not connecting with fans like us. We're mocking it and laughing at it. Okay? It's not and look, it's still again, it's only been a few weeks where they've seriously pushed it. It's, it's not attracting new viewers. Raw was down. So I just think this is destined to be another one of those things like Becky Lynch and and like Seth Rollins and like Kofi Kingston that might be super popular among the fans they already have, but it's 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 not going to be anything that's going to help them grow and it's not going to be anything that's going to move the needle. What's your take on that? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that as well. And it's just because the track record of stuff like this is, is is tough. I mean, there's one guy that they've been able to really establish that is different and unique among the roster the last you know, 10 years, and it's it's, it's Brock Lesnar. I mean, on, on the women's side, it's, I guess, to an extent, someone like a Charlotte who sometimes feels a little bit different, but almost everybody else just kind of ends up in the muck and just kind of, you know, ends up, you know, Braun Strowman, a perfect example, a guy that you mentioned before, that were times where it felt like he was maybe going to be a different than the muck, and then he would just, you know, he'd be built up to get beat by Roman Reigns, and he was right back to the muck, and and Roman Reigns is a guy who, like, Jesus, I mean, he couldn't be more in the muck right now, and that's a guy who's felt like for a long time he was out of it in in, in kind of a weird way, in an argumentative way, in like a way that we, you know, we talked about a lot in the show, but now he just feels like a dude on the roster, I mean, he's just a guy, and and everybody just feels like guys, and everybody on that roster is just in this giant blob or whatever, and and Brock Lesnar's the lone guy, and it feels like there's momentum right now for the fiend for Bray Wyatt to be a guy among you know above that muck and above that blob or outside of that blob. But at the end of the day, I mean, do you have any faith that he's not just going to end up in that blob again? Like I don't. I, so I'm right with you there. Like I, I just there's a lot that they could do right with this character, and there's a lot they could do. But from the mainstream standpoint, is it going to click into the mainstream? I don't think it ever will. I think uh, we're going to look I, at it and laugh and, and yes, say, "What the hell people, is this shit?" Like bingo, people are going to let this. This is a character that is going to be mocked and laughed at by anybody who isn't already completely um, um, 
not devoted. What's the word? Devoted is too strong a word. Completely um, dedicated to the company already. If you if you're not already all in on WWE, you think this is kind of silly. And even just looking around Twitter and and and, and things like that, you kind of see that divide, right? Your hardcore WWE fan who has like Becky Lynch in their avatar or Seth Rollins or whoever the fuck, they're they think this is the coolest thing ever. It's such a great character, and. All of the people who have given up on the company and are part of those 3 million fans who have stopped watching Raw since 2015 are like, holy shit, how, how low can this company sink in terms of goofiness? So it's like there's a clear divide there with this character, which is why I don't think this character, number one, is nearly as hot as people think it is. It even fooled me for a week. okay? And I don't think this is any kind of a a needle moving it's a character and a, and a and a gimmick that is working for the existing base and 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 i don't see it expanding beyond that because it's just too fucking silly it's just too silly mm-hmm. and and i and i don't know and it's and, and and again it's like you know i made this point earlier today and i i i really believe it on raw you have this 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 silly character that people who are frustrated with WWE are just mocking on SmackDown. The primary storyline is yet another redundant firing angle with Kevin Owens. We've seen a million of those and they're never good. And they're played like out. literally with Kevin Owens too. It's like L- the third time he's been fired. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And it's like AEW starts in like seven days or whatever it is. And it's like, they have such an opportunity to come out of the gate and just present a true alternative in something different. No nonsense. Pro wrestling. Rivalries. I hate you. I want your title. No shenanigans. No nonsense. And Rich, I am not confident that they're, they're, that they're not going to drop the ball on that. I am scared. Terrified. That they're going to come out on TNT. And we're going to get too much cutesy bullshit. Too much fucking librarians. Too much fucking... Young Bucks goofing around and Kenny goofing around and not enough, you know, of Cody's vision and not enough of just solid pro wrestling. And it'll really be a missed opportunity when you consider what's happening in WWE right now, which is exactly what has driven away 3 million viewers. This is the stuff that has driven away 3 million of us. The Fiend and Kevin Owens trying to get his job back. Okay, which... A story that they've done at least a dozen times. And I'm probably being... They've been doing this in Stone Cold Steve Austin. And they just keep going back to the well with it. This is why they're losing fans and losing viewers. And they're down to just their core base. And AEW really has a chance to really hammer home that they're different. I am not confident they can accomplish that. Where do you stand on that? No, I'm I'm kind of with you too, and we've kind of talked about this off air a little bit. I I I want to believe that they're going to come out there, like you said, with a, a sports oriented product. And I know that's a trigger word for a lot of people. They go, "Oh my, what are you talking about sports?" What I mean is, and and, and you know what it is, and, and most people listening to this know what I mean by sports oriented product is not necessarily that I'm saying that it needs to be. There can't be any sort of angles or any sort of over the top stuff because it's pro wrestling. At the end of the day, it still has to have a little Rich, bit of that. You're not asking but, for rings, exactly. I'm asking for wins to matter, yeah. losses to matter, guys to want to go into the ring and with the objection of winning a match and uh, guys. With the objection of of winning a championship like that that's at the end of the day just that's at its core 
is I want this thing. I want to be at the top of this company. I want to win this match that's ahead of me. I want to prove that I'm the better than you are or whatever. That, that's it. That's all I mean by it when, when I say that. And, and you know, it, it's been so long since WWE has really presented that sort of product to people that I think a lot of people don't really, when you say that, they don't know what you mean. They, they're like, what, 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 what do you mean? What do you want? You know, oh, you want the wins and losses? and all? Like, yeah, I, I just want stuff to matter. I just want guys to go in the ring and want to win. Like, that's it. There's always going to be some extra stuff. There's always going to be your next level stuff. But we talked about Bloodsport. Like, how cool is it that just two guys got in the ring and said, all right, I want to win this match. And then one won the match and one didn't win the match. And then one that won the match said, all right, I won the match. I'm better than you. And then the other guy left. You know, I mean, like, that's it. Like, it's yeah, all it needs and, to and, be. And, and, and you can <laughs> present that with, you know, a bigger budget and with a little more flair. And you're not suggesting no fun. You're just no, suggesting- of course not. Give us stakes and tell us why it's important and don't give us fucked up finishes and no murder clowns. That's all. Don't give me fucking clowns killing people with flashing lights. That's all. Okay, just give me two guys wrestling and it's and the finish is clean. And to their credit, they've done mostly clean. I think they did one finish that was that was like a distraction. They finish. have been clean so far. They, they have been clean so far. But like you're saying, the stuff with being the elite, which is, is, is kind of, it's hokey and it's a little weird. Like, that's the thing that I, I think is going to be super interesting when eventually they go on the air. And thank God it's finally going to happen soon so we can stop analyzing who the hell they put on their trucks and, and all this bullshit. And I cannot wait for the TV to start. God, I hope that it yeah. stops. Maybe some of it, but now we'll just be doing minute-by-minute minute breakdowns of, of how often Pharaoh was on the TV and if that was too much or whatever bullshit is going to come next. But um, it's just, I, I want to just see what it is because there are so many different things that AEW's kind of done in, in terms of if you add in the YouTube properties. Like the actual, if we just say that AEW is what we've seen on the main show so far, these pay-per-views, I'm confident then. You know, I am confident that, that it's going to be a thing. If it's what we've seen on the pre-shows, if if what's we've seen from being the elite, which I, I don't know. That's the thing is how do you fill those two hours of time? Do you fill it just doing the stuff you've been doing on the pay-per-views? Which I think could work. I think it's an effective formula. I really do. And, and maybe ramping it up with a little bit more of the stuff you're doing on the road to is a little bit more of the kind of the, the videos and the, and the builds and all that sort of stuff. I think that's effective enough of a TV. That's the TV that I would want. That's the TV I think they should go with because it is different than the other, you know, what else, what else is being presented. But I just have I, I I am like you that I don't know that I have the confidence. I don't know if I could definitively say, Joe, I am confident that the TV is going to be a, a more, you know, easily focused wins and losses matter guy versus guy. And one of them wants to win and and win the title. Like, I, I, I'm not confident enough to say that that's what the TV is going to be. And I wish I was at this point. I wish I had a clear idea of what that TV was going to be like. But I really don't know what it's going to be like. I think they want to be, but they may not be able to help themselves. And it, it and it, how about this? Do you think there's enough wrestling fans out there to sustain a promotion that is light on the bullshit, light on the fucking murder clowns and people getting fired, and 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 a little heavier on the action and what pro wrestling traditionally used to be, with a little bit of flair and a little you know. Sure. Do you think there's enough fans to sustain that? Because I think there is. Oh, I don't for sure. Know, I think they're 100% it. I don't think there I don't I'm not sure if there's enough to like beat WWE. The problem with all of this is that's how they're going to be judged and measured. How are they doing against the WWE? And I don't know if that's fair. I think it's more pragmatic to judge them how are they doing in terms of being a sustainable business? Right, right, and they and they brought some of that on themselves too. They they have yeah. absolutely they have, and 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 but it was going to come no matter what. 
Sure. The, the, you know, especially when WWE chose to go head to head. And what I want to know, and I'm still not clear on, and I heard Tony Khan throw out a number of 500,000 viewers, is what TNT wants them to do. Seems a little low to me. They're going to do better than that, for sure. I, I think they will. They Look, they did 400,000 for that random special that had no publicity whatsoever. So they're going to crush 500,000. Okay? But if that is legitimately what TNT, what TNT's base expectations are, they're going to be fine. And from there, it's going to become a matter of, are they going to be able to sell it? Because remember, they're not getting rights fees, but they're getting a split of the ads. And it's become a matter of how high can they get the ratings so that they get the ad rates up and they can be a sustainable business and continue doing 100,000 plus pay-per-views and all that. But that's really how they should be judged. But because we're in a war, that no one, forget it. It's always going to be, how are they doing versus WWE? And, And look, I understand that, and we get wrapped up in it too, and I'm sure we will get wrapped up in it. But my point here is, I do think there's enough wrestling fans. And here's the other thing. I think there's probably enough wrestling fans out there to run a sustainable promotion without enticing a single one of the of the roughly 2.2 million people who are completely devoted to Raw and SmackDown on a week-in, week-out basis. I don't think you have to convert any of them, and I still think there's enough people out there. We know that there's at least 3 million fans, recent fans, who are fed up with WWE and don't watch it anymore. We know this. They were doing almost 6 million in 2014, okay, for Raws. So we know that there's at least 3 million people out there who, we're not talking people who from the Attitude Era, we're talking about people from three, four years ago. Right, right. Who just cannot stand WWE's television anymore and were cheering us on last week when we did like the worst show we ever did. And we're just railing on the company. And, 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 but we got feedback from people saying that was the greatest audio segment I've ever heard. I <laughs> yeah, you and I fucking hated it. We hated God. it. But people were like, I couldn't have agreed more and, and I thought it was trash radio. But we were wrapped up in the moment and it just happened. And But but I be- look, there's at least 3 million of those people. And my fear, because I want AEW to succeed, okay? My fear is they're going to fuck it up and they have this prime opportunity with how fucking corny and shitty WWE is right now, Okay? They have this prime opportunity to fucking win those people over. And I really hope they understand that. And I hope the people that work for that company that are listening to this, because there are a few, are listening to my pleas. Don't fuck this up. Don't let the wrong people in the room walk you down the wrong path. You have a chance to make a first impression on those 3 million plus people. The ones that choose to check you out. And the ones that don't will hear the word of mouth from the ones that do. And if people like me and Rich don't like that show, they're gonna the people who don't try it, they're gonna listen to us, and then they're never gonna try it. But if you blow us away and you blow everybody away who 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 tries it, and it is something different, okay, that word of mouth will spread. People want to love wrestling again in this country. They do. I know I do. Yeah, oh for sure. And 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 if you follow the patterns of of Nitro too, that was the thing when Nitro launched on TNT, you know, it, very similarly to how this is going, it was an idea. I mean, wrestling was at its NWF was at its worst at that point. One of its worst periods ever and people were like, "What the hell? Why do we really need another wrestling property?" 
you know, you're going to split these fans or yada, yada, all that sort of stuff. And, and, and Nitro modestly grew over time and, and, and quickly took over. And what people started to realize was it wasn't the same fans getting split between the two shows. I mean, there was a lot of that. There was, of course, crossover, people flipping back and forth. But they started creating new fans. There started becoming fans that, that, that weren't watching wrestling on Monday nights, started watching it more regularly on, on Monday nights and started watching both shows more on Monday nights. And both of them grew exponentially because of that. And, and that's kind of what you're saying as well is that AEW has a chance. And, and I totally believe that too. And this is when, when I bring up sports-oriented product and people go, oh, nobody cares about that. Everybody's... that The idea that what I'm saying though is that look at... And you mentioned the 3 million people that have just disappeared out of thin air from WWE television. They're, they haven't disappeared out of thin air. They're there. They're willing to watch wrestling. We we think so. We're going to see what happens when AEW eventually launches. But what I also look to is I look at the ratings patterns when big sporting events happens. And I see that people... That watch Raw the second the World Series, the NBA Finals, NCAA Tournament, Monday Night Football, anything, anytime something else, some sports property goes on, they immediately bail. And we see that. We see a couple million people bail and move on and go watch Monday Night Raw or, or go watch Monday Night Football or, or go watch the NBA Finals or whatever. Those are fans that I think AEW has a chance to sort of capture as well. Fans that clearly will tune into Raw until there's a better sports property to go on there. And I'm not saying that AEW is going to eclipse the NBA or that AEW is going to be better than the NFL, but I think there are fans that are are, are willing and, and, and able and, and really want a product that's a little bit more serious, a little bit more... Bare, like when I say the term bare bones, I don't mean it as a negative, but just like enough to strip away all the bullshit. Just like two dudes get in the ring and want to fight each other and figure out who's better than the other guy. Like that's you know you know that is it. That's at the core of wrestling in 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 many many years. And 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 people bring up oh well the attitude era. Well, yeah, that was everything was crazy in the attitude era. Yeah, but the two biggest guys. You, you know when you look at, at at big points in the attitude era, two of the biggest stars of the attitude era. Three, if you want to add that too, was Sting. Who, yes, Sting was a guy who lived in the rafters, all that sort of shit. But all he wanted to do was get a world title shot against Hulk Hogan. You, you know what I mean? That was the story, is let me have my title shot against Hogan. And, and that's it. Like, yes, he came down. He did a bunch of bullshit. He did all this sort of stuff. But the core issue was he wanted a title match against Hogan at Starcade, And he eventually got it. And then, you know, they fucked it up after that. But, you know, another guy, Stone Cold Steve Austin, just wanted, his, wanted to be able to wrestle. You know, the, the injury angle throughout 1997 was, I just want to be able to wrestle. And then when he was able to go there, he's, I just want the title. And Vince McMahon didn't want him to have the title because he didn't think he represented the company well enough. But at its core, it was just Austin wanted the title. Because when you had the title, you were the best guy in the company. And, 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 you know, the third guy I'll bring up is Bill Goldberg. What was his gimmick? Win. I beat guys. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, you can say there's all this other stuff. And there's Val Vetus and there's Godfather and all this sort of stuff. The biggest stars were, were very simple stories. I want a title match. I want the title. And I want to beat everybody. You know, it's like, that's it. That's or, it. And that's I'm undefeated. Who can beat me? Right. Yeah. Like nobody can beat me because nobody has beat that? me. Right. <laughs> it's like, so at its core, like there are, I, I truly believe I'm with you that there are fans out there. There are people out there that want to like wrestling, we'll want to way. watch more wrestling, but don't want to watch, you know, spooky monsters, scaring baby face. Like they, they, yeah. that, that look at that and go, this is shit. I'm not going to watch this. I don't want to watch. We'll look at it this way. There's the 3 million we addressed. And then there's two other groups. And I'm sure there's some crossover if you did a Venn diagram, but you get the idea of what I'm laying out here. There's the 3 million we discussed. There's the 500,000 or so that you're talking about who are willing to watch wrestling they don't like for two hours. And then when something else comes on that's good, they change the channel. So there's about, what, 500,000 of those people? What does Raw lose? Somewhere three, four, five hundred thousand first to third hour some weeks right when it's drastic so let's right. say there's a half a million of those people that, that that are the group that you always talk about as soon as there's an opportunity to watch something that isn't terrible they're out on the bad wrestling so there's those people then there's the existing fan base that we know AEW already has there's a hundred thousand people 
willing to pay a pay-per-view price to watch AEW. They've done it twice. Okay? There's about three to 400,000 people that were willing to sign up to BR Live and watch those two shows. Well, it was one free or they both free? One of them was free. I can't even remember anymore. But at least one of them was free. And there was about 400,000 people who were willing to sign up for that site and, and, and watch a free show on BR Live. So there's the existing AEW fan base. There's the 500,000 people who are willing to watch bad wrestling but check out immediately when something better comes on. And then there's the 3 million people who have just disappeared into the ether who are waiting for something good to watch. Okay, And sure, there's some crossover between those three groups, but to me, that tells me that there are more than enough people out there without even converting a single existing WWE hardcore to sustain another wrestling product. It's just math to me. Because I feel like if they even get half of those 3 million... If they're doing 1.5 million a week, they're in business, baby. I mean, this is, you know, this is big time now. Okay? So it's like there's there's plenty of people out there that they can get. And and then down the line, okay, now maybe we try to convert some of these WWE hardcores, okay? Some of these people maybe uh, they'll get curious and 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 seek out something that has a different feel to it all. I don't even think you worry about that right now. I really don't. I don't think you need them. You know, it's, it's, I don't, these people who complain about AEW nonstop and can't stand Kenny Omega and can't stand the Bucks, Rich, I really believe they're screaming into a, a meaningless void. You don't need those people. And here's the funny thing about them. A lot of them are going to watch anyway. They're going to hate watch. Oh, of course. Yeah. They'll look at all those viewers. So you're going to get, you're going to get hate watchers out of that 2.2 million. And, and honestly, I don't even think you need those people. So, but to me, it's such a golden opportunity. And I guess, I guess we're done with the fiend. It's a good transition into our next topic. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. One thing I did want to bring up though, real quickly, and I guess we have a a bigger topic, of course, that we're going to talk about this uh, TV wrestling landscape uh, here in in a sec. But one thing that I always bring up with, with, with people and it it comes to case with, with AEW as well is don't, and, and, and you pretty much said it as well is like, don't worry about beating your competition night one. You, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of people that want that to be the case. There's a lot of people backstage that might be looking at it and all that sort of stuff. And it's something that sunk WCW a lot of times too, is instead of worrying about sustaining your business and creating your own business, they're worried about taking down the competition or, or beating the competition off night one. Like you don't open your restaurant hoping that you're going to take the, the McDonald's across the street out of business day one. Like if you do, you're an idiot and you're going to lose and your business is going to fail. Grow your business. Get people going to your show. Go people, you know, get people eating at your restaurant. Do that sort of stuff first, and then sort of worry a little bit more about it. But they've AEW has, and and again, they've kind of brought this on themselves a little bit too. And like you said, there's reasons why they've done that and all that sort of stuff. But but they've sort of made it a war from the beginning, and that's that's fine. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be a war, and people are going to hyperanalyze and all that sort of stuff. But I hope internally, I hope with AEW when when they're looking at it, they go, look, we got 1.5 million people. Yeah, Raw beat us. NXT maybe slightly beat us. But 1.5 million, you know, out of the gates is pretty goddamn good. So no, we're not going to say that this sucks and freak out about this. We're not going to do what WCW did in 1998, where they were still making money hand over fist, but worry that WWE was doing more than them. Instead of worrying about that bullshit, worry about hey, look, all right, cool, they're beating us. Who cares though? We just got 1.5 million people to watch our show. Let's grow that. Let's get to two million. Let's exponentially do that. Let, let's move up the ladder a little bit. That's hopefully internally that's what they're doing. I really do because if they see that 1.5 million, like you're saying, hypothetically, that's what just kind of a number we're throwing out. If they see that and go, oh, God damn it. Oh, what the fuck? Oh, geez. And like, and, and think that that's a failure. 
then that's going to be a, a, a then the company I think in large plays not necessarily will be a failure, but I think will will have failure tendencies if that's the thing that they worry about out of the gates is not beating NXT or not beating WWE out of the gates. Don't worry about that shit right now. I, I agree, but I think all of the front facing stuff where they're lobbing bombs and whatnot, they're just rallying their own base. I mean. And the people who are complaining about it are hardcore WWE fans who are right. who are insecure for whatever reason that there's another wrestling company and who find Kenny Omega to be an annoying figure and all that. And, and again, I don't think those people matter. I think they're just screaming into a, a, a meaningless void. Those people. And, and I don't think you worry about them. If your base gets off on you taking shots at WWE, lean the fuck into that. I have no problem with that. Well, that's how this company exists. Exactly. This company exists to be anti WWE. That's right. I mean, that's, that's, like, if you're getting upset about that still in September of 2019, you're the issue. Like, they, they have never said that this isn't what they are. This is their ethos. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is what they are created on is the basis of, hey, this shit sucks and we're better than that shit. That's, you know, that's what their basis is. And I don't think that they should or can be that forever. Eventually, you have to move away from that. Okay. But again, like you just said, they exist. Because of that feeling among their their base, this is a, a, a the alternative. That's how they rallied this base. This is how this is why they exist. There's no reason not to lean into it, and it shouldn't matter that someone who already hates Kenny Omega is annoyed by his promos. Who cares? They didn't like Kenny Omega to begin with. You know what I mean? It's like it's like what I say all the time. There's people who cannot fucking stand me. Okay. And we'll never listen to this show. I don't. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Let them say whatever they want about me. They're not my base. They're never going to listen to me. You know, it's it's. And on a much larger scale, it shouldn't matter when Kenny Omega does something cringe on being the elite that a bunch of people who already hated being the elite get worked up about it. Worry about your own base right now. And if your if their base wants that, keep doing it until it'll become obvious. When that's tired and it's time to move away from that. We're not even close to that point yet. Okay? It's like, and, and this isn't going away anytime soon. If that aspect of AEW annoys you, you're in for a long ride. Especially if the ratings are close. Because, you know, they're going to lean the fuck into that and it's going to become a bragging point from that. It's just, it, it's never going to end. Anyway, uh, let's do this and then we can... Uh, uh, do more. We're going to do more AEW, and we're going to talk about the television landscape. But first, Rich, do you know what I like to do at the end of a hard week? I don't, but tell me. I'm curious. What do you do? I end like of a hard. So you've had a hard week. You've hard done this podcast. Week. You've done your work. Hard week. Hard as fuck week. What do you do? Kids are a pain in the ass. Uh, tough week <laughs> at work. You know, you, you, it, it's um, uh, the wife. Sh- just something about the wife. Just you know, you just say the wife. The wife. You know, when people ask yeah, you, you just a, say, ah, the wife. Fucking, she's <laughs> like, a joy. I would never. She's a joy. Uh, you know, I'm idiots joking. on Twitter who don't understand pro wrestling bugging me. Just things like that. Hard week. <laughs> this week? Okay. Did that happen this week? Um, happens. People every, didn't understand Rich, us happens, on Twitter this week. Rich, it happens. Oh, hourly. <laughs> have you seen our mentions? It's hourly. I have. Uh, They're a fucking disaster. They suck. Uh, so at the end of a hard week, I'll tell you what I like to do, Rich. I like to plop down on the couch. I like to put my feet up. I like to watch a little football. You know what I mean? There's nothing like an NFL Sunday. And there's no better way to make an NFL Sunday even more exciting than to put a little action on the games. So you got to do the smart thing. You got to go to mybookie.ag. Nobody gives you more ways to win than mybookie.ag. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines 
than any other sports book. They got the best lines, Rich. I got Ravens minus five this week because I have no respect for the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to bet against them every week until they take all my money. Okay? And that line's already up to seven. Okay? So they don't lie when they say they have the best lines. And don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And my bookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where Joe Lanza bets. And it's where you, Rich Krejci, and everybody listening should be betting too. Okay? I wouldn't be telling you to bet with mybookie.ag if they weren't the best. So you got to do the smart thing. Okay? If you're going to bet this football season, then let's face it. Okay? Betting, gambling's big now. Every time you turn around, a new state is legalizing gambling. Everybody's getting in on this. So if you're going to bet on football, you got to do it it's with in. It's in. It's in. Not, it's not shady anymore. That's right. That's a good thing. It's not shady anymore. It's not weird anymore. You're not like looked at as like a weird person. Like everyone's doing it now. Everybody, there's a lot of people doing it before, but now it's out in the open, man. You could just strut your stuff and say, yeah, I'm on mybookie.ag. I'm putting money on this game. I got this on that. Like you could do it now. It's nice and easy. It's, it's out of the shadows and into the normal world now. So that's good. Rich, they got parlays. You know, you could plunk a dollar down and pick 20 games and try to walk away with, you know, tens of thousands of dollars if that's your style. Okay. If, listen, if, if, if you pick, if you make a bad play, they've got in-game betting, so you can go back and self-correct and bet the other side. There's a million ways to bet at mybookie.ag. If you join now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Did you hear me, Rich? They will double your first deposit. All you got to do is use the promo code Voices V O I C E S to activate that offer. That's promo code Voices. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Good stuff, mybookie.ag. We've heard a lot of people, too. We, we asked uh, last week uh, people to go to at Voices Wrestling on Twitter and let us know about their picks, how they did. And we got some good stuff there. Isle of Man Man's raking in the dough there. You know, he might, uh, he might make some terrible bets on the Toronto Blue Jays every year, but that man is making some good NFL bets this year, mybookie.ag. So, uh, oh, Isle of Man guy? Yeah, yeah, he's he's killing it. Yeah. Well, you can plug the forum because he's been making them on our forum. Yeah, voicewrestling.com slash forum. So if you want to go there, you can see what Isle of Man Man thinks about uh, his bats in the NFL week. Uh, but yeah, you know, let, let us know on the forums, voicewrestling.com slash forums, or at Voices Wrestling on Twitter if you make a bet on uh, mybookie.ag. Uh, of course, you're going to want to use that promo code Voices, as we said, double your first deposit, but then let us know what bets you're making. And how well you did. If you did bad, just ignore it. You don't have to tell us. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you do well, you tell us. It's a classic better thing here. Is, is if you win money, you tell us. If you lost money, we don't have to know. You, you know, you don't have to come here and say you lost money. It's cool. We understand. But uh, yeah, let us know about that uh, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter. Also, voiceofwrestling.com slash forums. All right, Joe, let's talk about this TV landscape. We touched on it a little bit. Man, in a couple weeks, <laughs> in a week's time, uh, the shit is going to hit the fan, and so much stuff is changing. Here, here is what now your new sort of, and this is just counting like the big guns. Like this isn't counting like, your little stuff, and and every other thing you're going to watch during the week, and and little matches that pop up, and other promotions. Like these are just weekly television across, you know, especially particularly in America, but but pretty much across the world for the most part. Here with some some little changes here and there with the uh, TV deals. We'll talk about that with the AW TV uh, in the UK and the disaster that that's been. But essentially, what you have is Monday, you have Raw. Tuesday, you have Impact on Access, and that's the new day for Impact now that we've talked about. Uh, oh, sorry, no, that was that came up uh, before we uh, did the show here. Uh, Impact now to Tuesdays, of course, on Access. We knew that they would get a show on Access. We knew, but we didn't know what day it was. Tuesday is now their day. So you got Monday Raw, Impact on Tuesday. Wednesday, of course, head-to-head, the new Wednesday Night War, AW, NXT. Thursday, if you want to include this, Beyond Wrestling too, independentwrestling.tv. You got that, you know, a weekly show every single Thursday. Friday, you got Friday Night SmackDown. Now on Fox. 
Joe, what was your favorite memory of the uh, <laughs> the USA SmackDown era? What what dorks? Oh my god, the Twitter yeah, can we, today for WWE. Can we address People giving that? Giving their best memories of the, like the five year run of SmackDown. It's so weird. Yeah. So can we address that? I don't really quite understand that. You have people writing eulogies for SmackDown on USA on Tuesday nights, like it, you know, like like it's going away. It's the same dopey show. That's going to be on Fridays. It's It didn't go anywhere. It's not going away. Why are people, like, breaking down their favorite moments from Tuesday night SmackDown? It, it, it changes networks, like, every five years. So, what? what do you have any insight on, on what these no, people are just thinking? That, just that people love content, and they just need to provide content. So, that's just, like, a thing that people had to do, and WWE had to do, or whatever, but yeah, it's like, I mean, God, there was SmackDown for, for years was jumping from, you know, UPN to MyTV to MeT, like, you know, it, it was on all these bullshit channels, who cares, like, Jesus Christ, it's so, so bizarre. It's, it's the uh, same it is show, weird. it's just a different spot on the fucking menu, oh, it's guy. totally different, it's totally different. <laughs> I don't understand, we're seeing, like, who was the best champion of, of SmackDown Live, like, who fucking cares? It's, it's the same show it's been since 1999, or whatever the fuck, and it's going to be the same show next week when it's on Friday. I, I, it, I really don't understand. Rich, who was your favorite Impact World Champion of the Pursuit era? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Imagine if Impact did this. It was like, all right, folks, we're not on Destination America anymore, but let's go back to the good old days of Destination America. What was your favorite? Uh, who was my favorite champion on Pursuit? Wow. Um, <laughs> not, not a legit question, my friend. Not a legit oh, question. Okay, I thought you wanted. I don't to know that. if you could name the champions of the pursuit era. Uh, well, right now it's Brian Cage. I know that, but I don't know who was before him actually. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I mean, this whole idea that some era of SmackDown is—it's the same fucking show, you geeks. I mean, come on, stop with it's this just content. So anyway, that's... people just love content. <sighs> so that's on Friday, Friday uh, SmackDown on Fox, 8 p.m. Eastern as well. Saturday, you have Women's of uh, Wow, uh, Women of Wrestling. You have New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, right now, still on Saturdays, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, also, MLW, if you want to count the BN uh, at 9 p.m., of course, they yeah. show up on uh, on YouTube as well. So you, you count them as smart as like a weekly show. And, I, you know, I didn't even include Ring of Honor in there because, I mean, it depends on what day and what market you are or whatever. I mean, some people get it. Some people don't get it. Some people get it on Thursdays. Sometimes people get it, but then it gets preempted by Red Sox baseball. Like, there's a bunch of shit that can happen with Ring of Honor shows. So, But essentially, that's it, too. Like, if you're trying to watch that MLW I mentioned on YouTube, you have CMLL, you have... You know, shit on New Japan World. You have All Japan TV, Dragon Gate. Like it is just, we have we reached a, a, an inflection point. Joe, is 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 there too much goddamn wrestling? I mean, what are people? Gonna, you can't watch all this. You cannot. I mean, there's going to be people who do. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I don't know who can. But Larry Sanka four one one will watch every single show. He will and review. Them. He will. Hey, you know what? Honestly, if we if we I don't know if we double and then a little bit more our, our Patreon subscribers, I think you and I could could watch every bit of this. Patreon.com slash Voice Wrestling if you want to get on there. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, if they if we hit our magic number of subscribers and I quit the day job, I'll watch every one of these shows. How about that? And review them. Except Ron SmackDown. Except Ron SmackDown. Well, yeah, yeah, I can't. Well, I'll do Ron SmackDown too. Because you'll die. No, don't. Please don't. Please you don't. Give me, no. You hit a certain so, number. Joe, no. <laughs> no, we have a good thing going here, and you're just going to, you're, you're going to, it's not going to work out. It's going to, you're going to break down. <laughs> like, well, SmackDown will probably be good for like three weeks, right? Yes, they're gonna do a lot of surprises. Raw is also <laughs> Raw is also three hours. That's right. Yeah, Raw, forget it. But SmackDown <laughs> is gonna be really good for like a month before they settle back into what they are, right? But for a month, you're gonna get you know hot shot angles and people showing up as surprises and things like that. 
because they're going to want to try to get off to a good start. And they will get off to a good start. They're going to do big ratings at first. If they don't, they're in trouble. So I think they'll get off to a good start. It doesn't look like they're going to get The Rock. The Rock has too much shit going on with NBC. You think that's what it is? I think that's what it is. I think it's that, and I think there's also a, a, a weird environment around WWE right now too that I think The Rock just doesn't want to. He just doesn't need them. You know what I mean? Like they, they, he's 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 often said that like, oh, they're always my home and they're always that or whatever. But at this point in 2019, it's very obvious to The Rock and anybody listening and anybody that that has a brain that they, he doesn't need them. What is he going to gain by going on a, a SmackDown and dropping a, a rock bottom on somebody? Like it doesn't matter. Nobody. There's no benefit to The Rock whatsoever. The Rock is what he is. With, with or without WWE at this point. So he doesn't need to go there and do them a favor anymore. And, and I think that's the way he looks at it. He looks at the NBC connections. He looks at a lot of the other stuff and goes, look, I don't fucking need you guys anymore. And I'm not going to do it. Like, he just does, it, just, there's no point for him to do it. it, it there's no benefit Well, and whatsoever. I think, too, is he's a smart, savvy guy who knows what's hot. And he knows they have no stars. Does he really want to go rub elbows with Kofi Kingston? I mean, what's he getting out of that? You know, it's like you're saying. So it's like... He knows that they're in a down period right now where they don't have any star power. And, you know, it's interesting that if they can't talk him into it and he is loyal to NBC, that his loyalties lie with NBC instead of Vince McMahon, which is very interesting to me. Like, that would have never been the case, what, five years ago? Maybe three years ago? Um, But now, it seems like his loyalties... And the hierarchy, WWE is not even close to the top, which is which again is real interesting for a guy who you know respects and loves wrestling. But even he knows that company. Why go near it right now? Particularly like a few weeks before they go to Saudi Arabia again, but you know, well, yeah, <laughs> which, exactly. which again I I think is something we've always talked about. We really really underreported by wrestling fans. Of how that may have, and I know there's there's been some people that have done some work, and and Brandon Thurston, and a few other people have kind of looked at it on, on Russellnomics Radio and and stuff. Is that that might have been a point where a lot of people that were fans dropped off. I mean, there there is a clear evidence that like that did cause a lot of people to say and really think about it. Like, ah, you know what? Nah, I'm, I'm done with this. I don't. I mean, it is it is pretty startling because they get that money, and it obviously makes all sense in the world for that company to decide to do it because it's the way they you know make <laughs> their quarterly rates or whatever, they make their quarterly numbers, but. There is a weird sort of there's there's an audience there that that was greatly turned off by that and 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 did kind of stop watching and get some fatigue around that same time too and and that's I wonder if that's the thing that the Rock's looking at too of like look do I really want to be associated with this company that's about to go to Saudi Arabia again and and do this sort of show and do all this sort of stuff and and, and God there's the stuff with the you know Linda McMahon being a part of uh, the cabinet there's donate like there's a lot of stuff there that that might almost be a minefield for someone like the Rock who I think has has pretty high aspirations for the next you know decade of his career or whatnot so who the hell knows what's going on there but. with all of that said would it stun you if his music hits on Friday? No, but I, I'd be, I'd be very, very surprised. I think you'll get all your other, you'll get your Hogan's, your Flairs, your, your, your Austins, and those sort of guys, the guys that they've dusted off a bunch of times these last few years. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be stunned if The Rock showed up, but I would be surprised at this point if he would. Here's why I'd be surprised: if you, if you know he's coming, you have to advertise him. I mean, how stupid would that be? Well, and that's it too. Like, why would you not say The Rock is going to be here? Fucking watch it because The Rock's gonna be. like, there's no benefit to having him pop out of nowhere. And show up. I mean, that's that's stupid. Well, here, that, well that's, here's the that's, benefit. That's old. Here's going out of business. WCW styles to do that. The, the only benefit to it is if you value the clips on 
social media and like did these like entertainment tonight style shows even exist anymore at like you know seven o'clock at night when you come home from work like getting on to shows like that i think they do yeah i don't know i don't know but yeah i'm sure entertainment tonight's still hanging around or kicking or whatever yeah i mean the only benefit would be to get that sort of buzz off of it like whoa you can't miss friday night smackdown on fox because you never know who's gonna show up but to me just announcing him ahead of time and helping to pop the number would be way more important than that so but who knows you know how they overvalue things like fucking social media and touting how many fucking Instagram followers that Mandy Rose has they they get into that shit and i believe they overvalue it to some extent so could they be dumb enough to like have the rock show up as a surprise just for that aspect of it uh, potentially, yeah, and there's also the idea, like you said too, where where oh, you don't want to miss an episode of SmackDown on Fox because you never know who's going to come out, right. or you never know what's going to happen. Like like similar to the Lex Luger thing on the first episode of Nitro, it's like yeah, you know, or or you know, people have said, well, what if somebody like CM Punk shows up on AEW or whatever? Like yeah, that's obviously something that that you value in some way because it's like oh fuck, like who knows what's going to happen? Or God, you got to watch because anything can happen on the next episode of uh, of SmackDown on Fox. But for someone like The Rock, someone that's that big, I feel like you want. A little bit more of 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 because you're still gonna get those, you know what I mean? Like you're still gonna get Entertainment Tonight that shows The Rock on there, but then you might get Entertainment Tonight say, "Oh, The Rock's gonna show up on Fox tonight on SmackDown." Like you know what I mean? Like you want for something like that, for someone like that, like The Rock, who has that crossover appeal. I think that you want to get that out in the bloodstream beforehand because you're gonna get, like you said, you're still gonna get your Entertainment Tonight and your dopey little shows. They're gonna show the clip of him rock bottoming whoever TMZ, regardless of if you said he was gonna come out or not. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Like if if they. But the benefit that you have of saying it before is that maybe they do say, hey, look, uh, on Friday, The Rock's going to return to wrestling. And then they show the clip of him, you know, rock bottoming someone the day later or whatever. So that, that's where I, I, I get the idea that you want to surprise, but I don't think that that's the right move. I wouldn't want to be there. It's not cool. It's not cool to be associated with WWE right now. It's just not a cool, vibrant, hip product. The average viewer is 50. It's just, it's just not cool. And I think that he understands that. The only thing is we know he loves and respects wrestling. So who knows? Right, but it looks like you know, and with him having shows and 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 projects on NBC, it's just you know, it's not looking good for that. But uh, but you know, they will have Brock, and he's going to win the title and all that. So um, you know, that's and look, there's another good example. They've announced that they they could have had Brock come out as a surprise live on you know next Friday, but no, they want you to know Brock's going to be there because they desperately want to pop this to come out with a huge number. Um, so. Those are that's the new TV schedule. You went through every day of the week, right? Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So I got Saturday. Nothing on Sundays except for you know <laughs> four hour WWE pay per views right. and uh, potentially other shit. I mean, that's just weekly. That's just TV. TV. That's every because I was gonna. That's s- just TV. Because now we know two hundred five live is going to Friday, right at the back end of SmackDown. Oh my God! Can we can we talk about that real Go ahead. quick? That's why we're doing it. Why are they doing this? They don't. Can you imagine telling fans? On a Friday night of all nights. Hey, thank you for coming to SmackDown. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed that. All right, stick around for Drew Gulak and Humberto Carrillo. Yeah, I mean... I mean, right now it's hard to get people to stay on a SmackDown on, like, a Tuesday. They're, who is going to stay around on a Friday night to watch 205 Live? And <laughs> contrary to that, like, or, or with that, who's going to pop up a WWE Network on a Friday night after SmackDown and say, oh, man, here we go. <laughs> Yeah, the stars of 205 Live. Here, let's go. Look, I see what you're saying. What a death. I mean, just what are you doing with this? I, I do see what you're saying, but no one was watching it on Tuesdays. I guess they figure, what the hell is the difference? No one could do, you know, we could keep it alive and no one will watch it on Fridays. 
They just don't want to kill the brand for whatever reason. Um, they have all these guys employed. Yeah, and that's... I just I think it's a matter of they don't know what to do with these people that they have employed who they're not going to release. They're not going to release anybody. And <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, you know, it's content. And it's still something that maybe they can sell to overseas as, you know, an hour television show. And it's it's just more content for their library. And it's something for to fill network time. I don't know. I mean, look, it was perilous there for a bit. And I don't think 205 Live is out of the woods because if if they determine that it's just too much of a strain with the three live weekly shows and everything else that, they're, that they do, um, I could still see it getting the axe. But that'll be on Fridays. And I think I saw right before we slapped record that NXT UK has been moved to Thursdays on the network, has been moved from Wednesdays to Thursdays. So you'll have Interesting. NXT... Okay on Wednesday on USA and then I think 24 hours later it gets uploaded to the network, right? I think it's a quick turnaround. It is for now, but um that I'm not sure that I really do think is going to change. I mean, right now I think these last these first two episodes have been up almost immediately and I think that there's a word that they're going to be almost immediately, but then I've also heard a day delay, so I don't know. I, we might not even find out until it actually happens, you know, what it's going to be, but um it, it's it's certainly yeah, I, I it's going to be a quick timeline, a quick turnaround one way or another, and that's going to be an interesting development too, if if they decide to kind of move that or change that or, or make it a week later or something like that. Similar, maybe even what they do with Monday Night Raw now, where it's like a month later. You, you know what I mean? Well, where you yeah, get Raw, episodes from Raw, SmackDown, and Main Event are thirty days. Right. So it, this, though, I heard was <laughs> I love that Main Event is thirty days. Like, can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, I, we talked about it a few weeks ago. The WWE Watcher that's just like, can you imagine watching a month old Dana Brooke. <laughs> yeah, Sarah Logan. Well, I mean, they're well. That show, you know. They've got television contracts for main event yeah. all over the world, so they're protecting those contracts by by you know the month delay. Um, there's probably some country out there that only gets main event, right? And that loves it because I mean, fuck, I God, if I was in a random country and that's all I got, I mean, it's not bad. I mean, it's all right. You get clips, you get you get all the, the heavy hitters. It's better than nothing. You know, so, so that's why they do that. But it's 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 look, it's all a matter of they they want to protect these networks, and maybe you know USA just. Maybe that was part of their negotiation with USA is like because they they must know that NXT is a big driver for their network and um you know they maybe that was part of negotiation to get it up with the quick twenty four to forty eight hour turnaround but also I don't think they want to as silly as it sounds compete with themselves so you put NXT on Wednesdays you move NXT UK to Thursdays and you have two hundred five live on Fridays mm-hmm. so they each have their own day of the week and none of their shows are running quote unquote against each other you know and and eating up the other even though it's all on demand and it's kind of silly, they do have those first run editions of everything on the live feed of the network that really nobody ever watches except for the pay-per-views. You kind of forget it that it's there, but there's always something running live on the network. Right. And I'm sure there's some poor sap somewhere who dutifully tunes in when NXT UK is running for the first time on the live stream. <laughs> right. It, it it ain't me, but uh, it is somebody. There's someone there, doing but... that. I mean, you can't tell me there's no one doing it. There's probably a couple thousand people who are like, sorry, I got to be home on Wednesday nights at fucking whatever o'clock because I need to watch NXT UK. I mean, there's there's hardcore fans who, listen, that may have been me when I was 13 years old. I might have been that guy. You know what right. I mean? Oh, absolutely. For sure. So it's like, you know that those fans are out there and and. I think that's why they've reshuffled. Because NXT UK is taped so far in advance. You could put that fucking thing on any night of the week. 
Oh, any day that they want. Yeah, that, that's the utility player there where you can move around and do it. NXT, you no longer can do that. You, you have a, a structured day for that. Raw, of course, you can't. SmackDown, you can't. Yeah, NXT UK, you can. And, and, and 205 Live again. Like, and, and, you know, wrapping up with the 205 Live discussion, we heard a lot of people say, you know, just tape it in full sale. Just make it NXT. Just, just do that. And, and while I agree with that, there's also, and we've talked about it from the day that 205 Live existed. And we said, we said it at the time when they came out with 205 Live, we were very confused why it was a quote unquote main roster property and not an NXT property. Because I think it always had a better potential being some sort of break off of NXT versus a small kids table on the main roster. And that's always what it was from the beginning. But they don't want to drop that. And I, and I don't know if it's because of the contracts. I don't know what it is exactly. But they can't break that off. So people saying, well, just move it to full sale. Yeah, that's all well and good. But then you have to tell all these guys that are, quote unquote, main roster guys that now they have to go back to full sale and, and, and wrestle in front of, you know. 200 people at, 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 or whatever it is, 200, 400, whatever the hell it is at, at, at full sale, that you have to go back to doing that. Like there's, and, and I don't, I don't know what the contracts are. We don't know what the kind con- we, we know that there's some weirdness there, but they're always sort of this main roster adjacent company and, and you can't break that for whatever reason. And they don't want to break that for whatever reason. And that adds to the weirdness of, of 205 Live. Cause yeah, it makes all the sense in the world to bring that to NXT where the crowd's going to love it. The full sale crowd would probably love that show a lot and give it a lot of love. And there, there'd be more energy when you watch 205 Live, but they want it as, a quote main roster property. So instead you get, you know, half empty arenas with people muttering and chanting for babies or whatever, while guys are out there killing themselves to no reaction. And then they put it on the network and nobody watches it. And that's what you have instead. It's, it's bizarre, but that's kind of the way they chose to have it go. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I still don't think it's out of the woods would not stun me at all. If they just decide, you know what, why are we doing this? So, Oh, I could see that coming a few weeks in where they're like, all right, look, this is, I mean, I mean, think of the production guys. Like it's not only just the wrestlers and it's not only just the crowd. But there's your lighting guys. There's your. I mean, those guys are just got to be like, oh my god, are you fucking kidding me? Two hundred five live. Like, can you imagine on a Friday night after the week that those guys have had that you got to sit around till fucking eleven p.m. or whatever to tape two hundred five live? I mean, come on, are you kidding? Like, that's got to be the worst work environment ever. So yeah, I I see it as something that that I I don't think like you said I don't think they're out of the woods quite yet. I, I think that there could come a time a month or two where they look at it and go, okay, are we? What are we doing here? Why are we even bothering with this? You know, it's not worth it. You know, but they're not going to release those guys, so I don't know what they're going to do. No, so. they can't release it. It's like that, and, you know, how do you justify... Because Alberto Carrillo is going to bring in the new <laughs> boom period by jumping to, you know, jumping to AEW. So can't get rid of him. So, you know, Drew Gulak will, you know, it's... it's yeah, but... Bizarre, but here we are. You know who's really lost in the shuffle in all this as you went over that schedule and everything is Ring of Honor. It's... They, Who? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they don't have... Because it's, you know various Sinclair affiliates or stadium, which runs the show basically three times a day, every day of the week. I don't know if you've ever taken a look at stadium schedule, but um, you know, it's, it's a streaming channel. If people don't know what stadium is and you know, ring of honor is like gotta be half of their programming at this point. And then they air on like all of those weird Sinclair sub channels like comet and all those fucking things. There's another one. I don't remember the name of it. And it's like, Depending on where you live, the Pluto, right? That Pluto TV, right? Is that well, isn't Pluto it on there? Pluto TV carries Stadium, and Pluto TV is got it, got it, yeah. got it, got it. That, that's a, that's a different over the top, yeah. Then well, Pluto okay. TV is like the app which contains all of those streaming channels. Does that make sense? Yes. Right. So Pluto TV actually has Stadium. It has the Impact channel, which runs nothing but Impact twenty four seven. It has the AAA channel, which runs all the old uh, AAA shows um around the clock so yeah there's actually a lot of wrestling programming on pluto tv if you've got like a fire stick or a roku or something and you download 
Pluto TV, um, you know, you, you, you can see all that shit. Um, it, it, it's the way a lot of people watch ROH who don't have a Sinclair affiliate in their city. You know, they'll watch it on Stadium. But it's like the ROH, and then, and then you know, you have Nesson where it's fucking preempted constantly by Red Sox games and Bruins games and Celtic games. And it's like, there's no set day of the week. Some people are watching on Monday, and then some people are watching that very same episode on fucking Saturday during the pay-per-view the episode is on that's doing the hard sell for the pay-per-view. It's just a mess, you know? And 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 especially now where there's just, like you're saying, so much wrestling and everyone's carved out their own day of the week. And there you have Ring of Honor, just floating around, depending where you live, Uh you know, with a show that has less than zero buzz right now. So there's that too. Do you even get Ring of Honor where you live? I don't. No, it's not available in um in Chicago quite yet. They've they're trying they're like hell, Sinclair's trying like hell uh to get into um uh the Chicago market, but yeah, it has not worked out uh quite yet. So no, I don't get it. Um I have tried to because I do get <sighs> Comet but I've tried to set my DVR and it just never records it. So I don't know what the hell happens there yeah. uh, with ring of honor and Pluto. I've tried, but like it just always, it's kind of laggy for me every time I do try it. I know it's, it's on stadium right now, by the way, on, on, it's <laughs> on, Pluto always TV. on. Uh, exactly like you were saying. Yeah, that's pretty good. But uh, yeah, it's um, yeah. I, I, so I suppose I could try that a little bit more, try stadium, try it. But like, again, like I'm already going through a little bit more work than I want. Yeah. And, and, and exactly. we talk about this all the time where, where people say, oh, well, you can watch impact on Twitch or you could like, look, I just want to fucking have it record on my DVR. I just want to roll up to my T like I'm old school like that. I know I'm, I'm, I'm not as, as old as a lot of other people here that are listening or whatever, but still I, I grew up on just, I fucking sit on my couch or I sit on my, in my bed and I, I turn on the channel and it's either in my DVR or the channels on like that. I just want, I don't want to sit and go, okay, where's my Roku remote. Okay, here's my Roku remote. Like, I'll do that for special occasions, but I'm not doing it every week for Ring of Honor TV. You got to make it easy. Yeah. Like, I'll do that for New Japan. I'll do that for Wrestle Kingdom. I'll fucking right. set up my Chromecast and get my laptop going and all that sort of shit. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sit on my phone and huddle over my phone on Stadium watching Ring of Honor. Like, if you're not going to make it easy for me, whatever. If you're not going to let me, you know, put it on my TV and 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 easily, you know, distribute it that way, then yeah, I'm not going to go through five different. I'm not going to download Pluto TV on my Chromecast or on my Roku and fire up the Stadium channel or whatever. And then like it's just that, that's already too much work. Like I don't want to do and, that. And then deal for a show with that this. I don't like. Make it easy for me, and then maybe I'll watch it. But yeah, and then deal with a stream that is unreliable, like you're saying, where your stream is always a little sketchy. It's like you're saying, it becomes too much work, and people don't understand that. And it's like, I get it. If you're an ROH diehard, you're going to do whatever it takes to watch Ring of Honor every week. I understand that. You can watch on Fight TV too. They are Ring of Honor for free. I watched it on Fight TV today. But again, I don't want to go digging around. There, there's times where I don't want to go digging around for my remote, like you're saying, and, you know, logging in the fight. And, you know, it just, again, you know, it's just, I'm exhausted just talking about it, even though it's just a matter of pushing some buttons. You know, you just want to turn your TV on and watch. So it, it is a major problem. I think for Ring of Honor, the inconsistent time slots. Um, but, you know, it doesn't seem like Sinclair is very motivated to change any of that. No, definitely not these days. So uh, so that's, I mean, that's that's the new landscape here. And, and, you know, my question to you was, you know, 
is it too much wrestling? Like, how do we, you know, and, and I guess this is a thing that we're going to have to address on this show. And I know you've been discussing it, you know, because you do the TV reviews on, on, on Patreon, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling, uh, of course, of how do we like as a, a website, how do we as this podcast, how do you as somebody who does Patreon audio, how do you cover all this? Like, what is what, what takes priority? What takes precedent? Like, at, at what level do you have to just like, you know. For people that have lives, <laughs> you know what I mean? When wrestling is not your job or your life and you have other things that you have to do, you have jobs, you have families, you know, you have other activities that you want to do. Like, how do you juggle all this? Like, what what has to get the axe? What do you watch? What's important? Like, it, it's it's at this weird level where I don't know that, like, I don't know what I'm going to watch. I, I, I don't know because I feel like it's now my duty to kind of on Wednesdays, AEW and NXT, I'm going to have to watch that every single week. You have to. No doubt. I like that because that's that's huge. Like Raw, I was already not really watching Raw that much, and I probably won't anymore. SmackDown on Fox, like you said, is more important again. Like I do feel like it is my obligation. I'm going to throw it on the DVR to watch SmackDown every week for a little bit because that's a big thing. You know, moving to Fox is a big deal. And then those other people get lost in the mix. Like someone then like a Beyond Wrestling. Like I heard a lot of people say, "Oh, you got to include Beyond Wrestling. Got to include Beyond Wrestling." And I agree. Like they they have weekly TV. They're on independent wrestling TV. They do a pretty good job. We've talked about it sometimes on the show, but there's something that just gets absolutely lost in the shuffle unless that you've decided that your entire life is going to be pro wrestling, that every night of the week you're going to watch pro wrestling. Like that's cause cause Thursday is like your one opening. Yeah, honestly, or Tuesday, if you're, if you're not a big impact fan like that, obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. It's like Tuesday is your day that you kind of go off and, and do some other stuff and, and do other things too. But it's just like, how do you, you know, you know, I try to reconcile this with, with myself and, and I'm curious what listeners think too. And I'm curious what you think of like, what becomes important? What do you kind of say? Okay, this, I have to watch every week. This I don't have to watch every week. This I don't even have to care about whatsoever. Like Ring of Honor is at a point where I just I don't care. MLW, I really like watching MLW. <laughs> like even today I find myself not having enough time to watch MLW. But then like earlier, you know, today before we record this, I, I binge watched like the last three episodes of MLW because it's good stuff. I like MLW. I wish I could watch it more. I'm at a point now where do I honestly have an hour every week to watch MLW? No, those are I, listen, it's nuts. Th- these are and, and you just answered your own question that you were going to propose to me. These are the shows that are going to get squeezed, okay? Uh, uncharted territory, okay? No offense to Beyond Wrestling. No one's going to watch that except for hardcore independent wrestling fans at this point because you're going to, you know, look, Raw, you're going to have your 2.2 million habit viewers who are going to watch Raw every week regardless. I think you're dead on. Guys like me and you, if we're going to do this show, we have to watch the Wednesday Night War. We got to watch both of those shows. We have to know what's going on. We have to watch them in real time or at a very small delay at minimum. We got to be on top of AEW and NXT for the foreseeable future. There's no way around it. We have to watch it. Or, you know, stuff like Beyond, people are going to get burnt out and that's going to be very low on the priority for people unless you're a hardcore indie fan. Ring of Honor is going to get lost in the shuffle. Um, You know, Impact is going to get lost in the shuffle. It's just it it, because there's so much. And the stuff that isn't perceived to be hot is going to drop on people's priority lists. And it's not going to get watched. MLW, I might watch two out of the four per month. It's just a time issue. And that was before. That was before my Wednesdays were now going to be devoted to wrestling. So MLW is another one that I could see getting squeezed out. Someone like me, I just don't know where the hours are going to be in the day for me to consume MLW twice a month. I couldn't even watch it every week as it was. Forget it now. So yeah, there's going to be some losers here who really get squeezed out and suffer from just this deluge of content. Let alone, if you want to watch a little Puro or some New Japan 
or some lucha, or or God for or God forbid you want to watch something that's not fucking new and you want to watch a pay-per-view from 1988. I mean, where's the time? So, you know, or just go to a fucking indie show, you know? So, yeah, I mean, look, I think it'll settle out and, you know, it's, it's, it'll be survival of the fittest and we know who the fittest are, unfortunately. I don't think it's going to be a big mystery. Uh, who the winners and losers here? <laughs> Lucha, yeah, Christ, Europe or the entire fucking region of Europe and Australia and and Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. I really don't know what how I'm going to handle the TV reviews at this point. I'm just going to let it a week or two go by and figure it out. I mean, I, I figure I have to keep doing NXT and I have to do AEW, and it's like, but those are both two hour shows. I can't really do a third show on top of those two. Plus, whatever third show I do is going to feel like a third wheel. Because that is really just about NXT and AEW. They're going head-to-head. It's the whole war. So it's like, do you really want to shoehorn impact in there? I mean, they're going to feel like, you know, the proverbial red-headed stepchild. Right, you just talked about these two hot shows and these big night, all this sort of stuff, and they're like, "All right, impact." Yeah. <laughs> like Brian Cage came out and got a promo, and it's gonna, yeah, you're gonna, it's gonna be an hour and ten minutes or two hour and a half into your show, and then you're like, "All right, all right, let's do impact here." Like it's always gonna feel like Correct. a chore, like a gun was at your, you know, the back of to, to review, and impact. that would so be, be six tough. hours of wrestling to review on on a one hour show. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, right. I mean, some people, the listeners might not understand, but that's a lot just to consume it then talk about it and squeeze it into 60 minutes. But I don't know how I'm going to look. It makes sense. Those shows are on Wednesday. So it would make sense just to review them on Thursday as I'm doing now. I don't know what I'm going to do about 205 live and NXT UK. I think with NXT UK moving to Thursday and 205 live on Friday, I could go back to doing the Monday TV reviews again as well and do those two shows. But do I really want to do a show that's just 205 live and, and NXT UK? I mean, that doesn't sound too appealing. Um, you know, impact is the one that's going to get squeezed out again because it's on Tuesdays. It just doesn't work for me because it's after Monday and it's old news by Thursday and you don't want it to be a, uh, the third wheel, like we already said. So I don't know what's going to go on if, you know, for the subscribers, I don't know what to tell you right now. I know this week I'm going to do a 205 live NXT and NXT UK as usual because nothing has changed yet. Following week, I'll probably do NXT and AEW, but from there, I really don't know if I'm going to add a second show or I, I don't know. It's all up in the air. I have to see how this schedule works with my schedule because now it changes our life patterns too. To, 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 I never had to clear off a Wednesday before. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right, we so use it to record. Yeah, we use it to record most times, including today. And I yes. just realized that. Fuck. It's like, Wednesday right Wednesdays now. Wednesdays have kind of... Right. Fuck. They've settled into a good data for us to record, and now, I guess, not. Fuck. Yeah. Or or we're just going to have to watch this shit. I, who knows? See, this is also... <sighs> I hate this. I hate this. Cancel but, all wrestling. Get wrestling sucked. Let's just watch wrestling from the 80s and the 90s again. Listen. Let's just watch. Do we have another ad here? Do we have another ad to do? We do not have another ad. No, we do not. We're ready to go into a. I mean, I guess you say. No. uh, I think it says week of September 19th on that ad. You might want to look at that again. No. We we do have another ad. I'm not going to say the company in case we don't have the ad. We do not have that ad. It is next week. 
Then the ad is next week. I promise. Positive? I'm positive. Are you looking at it? I'm looking at it. Does it not say 919 <laughs> it on does, it? It does. I'm telling you. It does. Wait, it's next week? I'm positive it's next week, yes. Okay. No ad. No second ad. Yeah, screw them. Voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon. That's our second ad. Go next subscribe. week, two ads. Yes. So get ready. Yeah. Because, get ready you know, we dumped the boom, and we actually are getting ads again. So we're not doing this for free every week, like we were doing with Audio Boom at the end there. Remember that one week I buried the shit out of Audio Boom, and it mysteriously got cut off the end of the podcast? I by, do, yeah, that was interesting. By neither one of us? How did that happen, Rich? I don't Explain know. that one. You're right, that's a good one. Maybe all they, this is getting cut off, and now nobody hears anything else that we're going to talk about. Well, they can't. Audio Boom doesn't control <laughs> They might have a way. Maybe they hack. They hack servers. They're, they're upset. They're, they're, they're vengeful. Uh, but probably not. I I, yeah, I have I have no idea, but uh, no, next week. What a fucking joke. Yeah, it is definitely next I, week. So. I went on that tremendous, <laughs> I cut a tremendous promo on Audio Boom. It was good. It was really good, yeah. And and it just got lopped off of the end of the podcast that one week. It was incredible. Yeah, and I looked uh, at my upload, and, and it was there. Like, the, the audio was there. Yeah. So I looked at my, the, the audio that I uploaded, it was there. But the audio that played to everybody, it was not there, so. You happy with Mysteries. the red circle, Rich? Are you happy with the uh, red so far, circle? Yeah, so far I am. Yeah, good stuff. Um, Ask me if so I'm far, happy with Joe Lanza, are you happy with Red Circle so far? Our new podcast. I'll let you know after the first pay cycle. (laughs) When that check clears, we'll. Can I give you the answer then that I'm happy with Red Circle? So far, so good. Absolutely can, yes. An invoice hasn't cleared yet, so I'll let you know at that point in time whether I'm thrilled with the Red Circle. I like that they're actually selling some ads, though. That is good. And, and, and one thing I think that's interesting, and, and I guess it's a good time to bring it up now in the middle of the show before we kind of get to uh, New Japan and all the other stuff, is one of the cool things that Red Circle has is that you can give donations to every show that's on this podcast network. So if you really are a big fan of, uh, of Wrestling Omakase, you're a big fan of the five-star match game, you're a big fan of Super Jcast, Everything Elite, the Burress Roundtable, uh, Two Sarahs, all this, you're, you're a fan of any of those shows, Shake Them Ropes, any of those shows that we have on our network, the, the upcoming Wednesday Night War show. If you're a, a fan of any of those you can go there and sponsor that show. So all that means is like you give them a one-time donation. You can do a recurring donation, I believe. I don't know if they've launched that exactly yet. I know they said they're going to worry, maybe work on that in a bit. But like you can you can give a donation to the show, and I think that's a really cool thing that they have there is that there are some shows that don't get ads because they can only sell so many ads for so many shows or whatever. But there's a way for you to still support your favorite podcast on this network, and you can do it to us too if you really want. I mean, you know, we're good. You can go to Patreon. I'd rather you go to Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling to support us. But some of those other shows that obviously do not have Patreons and, and, and don't maybe have ads, or even if they do have ads, you know, if, if you like that podcast, if you're a huge fan of them, you can sponsor that show, and and it doesn't matter. You can give them 15 cents, you can give them a dollar, you can give them $2, you can give them $200, it does not matter. Whatever you want to do, just show your support that way, is I think is a really cool thing uh, that Red Circle has. It's a way for all these shows on our network uh, to, to, to get their their... You know, get some value out of them, which I, I, I do think. Because there's tremendous work up and down this podcast. It's not just us. And, and, and you know, we on the show, I don't know if we do enough to kind of promote the other podcasts on this network. But uh, they all do tremendous jobs. So uh, go on to there. Go on to Red Circle. You can click links, find the shows and all that sort of stuff and, and, and sponsor them and donate to them. And I think it's a great, great way to, uh, to show your support for your favorite shows. Yeah. Truth be told, one of the reasons that we switch podcast networks was to help all of the shows make more income. And wasn't just us. Yeah, we were upset with the, with, you know, with, with with the ads that were being brought in for this show. But already with Red Circle, they've sold ads for shows that never had ads on Audio Boom, which is great because these shows get to make a little more money. And also that donation button that Rich is talking about, which was not an option on Audio Boom. So 
Now for all of these other shows, if you're a big fan of those shows and, and they don't have Patreon, like we don't push it for our show because like Rich said, we have the Patreon. We want you to subscribe. Yeah, go there. Go there. If you like us and you want to subscribe and you want to show your support, go there. That's the better don't way to do it. just give us money. Give us money and get something in return. We've got the Patreon where we give the bonus content. So don't just – look, if, if someone wants to hand us money, go ahead. But what I'm saying is it's smarter for you to just subscribe to the Patreon because you're going to get some bonus content too. But these other shows don't have that. They're totally reliant on the ads, and it's good that some of them are earning ad dollars now that they weren't before, but some of them are still trying to get there, but there's that extra option of the donation button, so if you're a regular listener of whatever the fuck, two Sarahs, let's say. Yeah, Music of the Mat, Music Russell of the Nomics, Mat, Open the Voice Gate, all those good ones. All of them, okay, and you're like, I've been listening to them for years, and you know, give them a little taste, give me a little taste. You got a few bucks to spare, now you can hit that donation button. And, you know, give them a one time. And we've seen some trickle in. Some of the shows are doing very well with the donations. And, you know, they're going to get 100% of that money. Rich and I aren't going to keep any of that shit. We're just going to, you know, it's oh. their money. <laughs> oh, I already spent well, a well, listen, lot. If Rich, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm then kidding. again. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Rich I'm skipping kidding. off to Iceland twice a year. Maybe he is keeping it. I don't know. But I can tell you, I've got the password. I see what's going on. I'm keeping my eye on Rich. Don't worry about that. Okay, I'll keep my eye on Rich. But seriously, though. We've already seen some of these shows earning a nice little chunk of change through some of those donations, and we want to see that continue to happen, um, you know, as they all work towards getting ads. So this Move the Red Circle was as much about helping the rest of the shows on the network earn a little money uh, for all of this work they put in uh, as well, too. So uh, please, if you like some of those shows, uh, consider throwing them a few bucks. Absolutely. All right. Let's get to the other topics that we have today. We have New Japan. A lot of shit going on in New Japan. We're going to talk about the, uh, the Destruction in Kobe show. We're going to review that. You have the Fighting Spirit Unleashed cards coming up this weekend. And those, my God, I cannot wait to talk about some of these cards. Some really, really fun matches on here. Uh, we got King of Pro Wrestling coming up. We might maybe shelf that for another day because there's just so much going on here. Uh, we do have Excursion Destinations as well for uh, Ren Narita and Shota Umino. But uh, let's start out with the Destruction in Kobe review it happened last weekend. Kind of cap to the destruction tour, a uh, eh, destruction tour. Like I, I don't know, I don't know the best way to kind of put it. I'm kind of making a weird thing with my hand because it was like there was some stuff that I really liked about destruction. There was some stuff that I didn't really like. I thought this was far and away of the big three shows between you know uh, 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 Bipu and, and and Kagoshima. I thought that Kobe was the better of the three. It wasn't a great show. It wasn't a tremendous show. It's not a show that I think you need to drop everything and watch right away if you didn't watch. But I think there's some stuff on the show that was worth watching and some good angles and some stuff that really um, that really progressed forward. So, Joe, your overall thoughts on, on Destruction and Kobe before we kind of go uh, match by match here? It was a eventful show, which was newsworthy. Um, it wasn't a traditional big-time New Japan show where you've got six four-star matches or anything like that. Um, but it was the most newsworthy of the three destruction shows. My favorite match of the tour is still birds of prey versus ELP and, um, and Taiji. Yes, I would agree. But I thought the Hiroki Goto Shingo match was, um, very close to that match in quality. Um, you know, Jay White, Tetsuya Naito didn't do much for me at all. I know that you, well, I think that you liked it more than I did just based on some of the tweets I saw you send out. So you might have to carry the ball when we get to that bout. But, um, you know, the Young Lions stuff was tremendous. We got the big angle with Jushin Liger, which I think surprised a lot of people. I don't think anyone saw that coming. So it was an eventful, newsworthy show. But if it was a show that you haven't seen, I think you can easily get away with 
checking in for the Liger angle for sure. I would watch Carl Fredericks versus Shota Aminu. I would recommend watching that match. Yes, absolutely. And I would recommend Goto and Shingo because it was a cool match. I don't know. I, I think you can get away with not watching the main event. I, I was very, I don't know. The noises you made earlier, I'm making those noises for the main event. It didn't do a ton for me. Why don't we just start there? Let's do that. Um, yeah, let's start with the main event. So I, I think I liked it maybe a little bit more uh, than you did. I went I went three and a half uh, with this match because, and, and the thing that I said, a lot of people got upset for three and a half because we've had some people, I think um, Joel from Super JKS went full five on this. I've seen a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> that's that's a bridge too far for me. But hey, if it clicks with you and it does that, that's fine. That is what it is. But I think you and I are both going to be maybe the low-ish men on this because I've seen a lot of the people that really, really liked it a lot. And and what I'll say about this, and it's kind of what I've said about a lot of Jay White matches, and it's what I said about a lot of Naito matches this this year as well, is that it's one of these matches that I di- I, I enjoyed it and I thought it was very good, but not in the spectacular jump off my couch. Oh my God, that's awesome. Like, oh my God, what a great match. Or, oh my, I cannot wait to, to, to talk about this match. I can't wait to, to have other people watch this match and, and, and hear the reactions to it. Like it, there's a weird thing with, with, with Jay White men events in, in a lot of ways is that like, I, I appreciate all that that goes into them. I, I think that they're very good pro wrestling matches. I think he is a tremendous pro wrestler. The same goes for Naito as well. But a lot of the times when, when, especially when these guys are in the ring together or a lot of times when these guys have been, you know, in, in big time matches this year, it hasn't felt, I haven't gotten that, that rush that I've gotten from other stuff. Like Hiroki Goto and Shingo is one of those matches we'll talk about in a bit where I was like, fuck yeah, that match fucking rocked. You know, you know what I mean? Like that's where it was when it was done. I was like, hell yeah, that match is awesome. I cannot wait to hear what people have to say about it. When Jay White and Naito was over, I just kind of said, okay, that was a very good professional wrestling match. I, I love Jay White's character. I thought he was great in this match. I thought Naito was good in this match. But ultimately, the some of the parts weren't spectacular. They weren't great. It's one of those that you can enjoy, but you're kind of like when it's over, it's like, all right, whatever, it's over. And like you said, I don't know that I would tell somebody, hey, if you haven't watched the show, you absolutely have to watch Jay White and Tetsuya Naito. I don't know that I feel that way. I would say that you, it's worth it to watch it because it progresses story. But I think you could get away with just watching the ending and, and Jay White's promo at the end. I think you can get away just reading the results in, in a lot of ways. It's not one of those matches that I think anyone's going to remember at the end of the year. At least in my mind, I don't think many people will remember it at the end of the year. It just didn't, it just didn't hit me on that level. You know, for a 30-minute match, it just didn't hit me on that level. But I can still say that it's a good and that I enjoyed it. But it's that weird thing where you just can't. It's not that same enjoyment that I get from from matches that I think are truly spectacular. So it was good, very good in some ways, but not great. I thought it was a well-worked match, and I I, I enjoyed Jay White's work in the match, and Naito was Naito, and it was fine. Um, just to give you a little support here, Grapple has it at a three point nine five average, so not even a mm, four okay, star so. average for the match. I mean, so. Um, you know, and, and I'm just looking at some sample ratings and, you know, some, you, there's the random 4.75s and 5s mixed in. So this was a match that really connected with some people. And then some other people were like, that was a three-star match. And that's kind of where I'm at with it, where it was a perfectly acceptable bout. It's It wasn't what I – I have a higher bar for my New Japan main events that I don't believe that this match cleared. Sure. But I don't think it was a bad match. But yeah, it's a match that I have no interest in ever re-examining or watching again or thinking about again. But I think part of it for me, too, was I really wasn't into the build for this match. They were in a lot of tags against each other on the tour, and they didn't really do anything for me. The, the tags didn't grab my attention or heat, the, heat this match up to where 
I didn't come into this match thinking I really need to see this match. I got to be honest with you. When it came time for me to watch this show, I was pumped up for Goto and, and Shingo. And the main event was almost an afterthought for me. So that's going to affect how I feel about the match. If it doesn't, if it doesn't blow me away at that point, then that's going to affect how I feel. If I'm not excited to watch it, and then it doesn't blow me away, I'm going to come out of it thinking it was just an okay match. So I don't know. Didn't do much for me. As far as the title change goes, I think we both kind of expected it, right? Isn't that what we said last week? Yeah, I did. I think you thought that it maybe is a, we- a much more odd path for Naito to, to Wrestle Kingdom if he loses the title, whereas oh, well, I thought it, it, it... Well, listen, we're going to ignore that and just say that we predicted Okay, predicted. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, so, you and I both predicted that Joe was going to, of course, uh, uh, win that match and, and, and win the IC title, uh, and that Naito will now moonwalk his way into Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, but no, no, I think, no, it definitely, it, it, it sets up a little bit more for me, and I, I think one thing that I really liked about the match, I really liked the finish, and that's the thing that I've really come to, to enjoy with Jay White matches, is that there are some matches where it's all bullshit and that's how he gets his win. And then there's some matches where he just hits, you know, that move on you and pins you and it's over. And I, that's what I like. I like that. I like that aspect of Jay White is that there will be some amount of bo- bullshit. But when he needs to get a big win and get a big moment or whatever, he just goes out there and wins. You know what I mean? He just gets it. He hits that move in the middle of the ring and it's kind of shocking because you're sort of assuming that there's going to be 15 different kickouts and, and this guy's going to do that and that guy's going to do that. But it's just like sometimes he just hits that and they've done a good job. Uh, of making that Blade Runner into that move, too, where he just hits it, and it's like, fuck, and it's over. And I like that about that. Yeah. I like that when you have someone like a Naito who, who will hit these half-destinos, and they don't quite work. Or, or you know, we've hit, seen it with the Rainmaker a lot of times. We see the high five flow where, oh, no, it's a high five flow on his back, not the stomach, so that doesn't count enough. Or, like, Ken Omega and the V-Triggers. Like, we've seen a lot of those in New Japan lately. I like the idea that Jay White, when he hits that Blade Runner, it's just like, yeah, it's over. He hit in the middle of the ring, and it's like, fuck, that's it. And, and the air gets sucked out of the crowd. And they're doing such a good job, too, of telling the story that this crowd is, is, is hates Jay White and just leaves and runs for the exits right away. And I think that's a, it's, it's a creative idea by New Japan to do that as well. Because I think, truthfully, there's probably not many more people leaving. Like, nobody's, you know, there's the, oh, I'm going to cancel my New Japan World subscription. But they're back every single month. They're back watching this every well, here's single time. The thing. But it's a great way to. I, I do think that people leave when Naito gets beat by Jay White. And I like that Jay White taunts them. But. Where some people believe that they're leaving for the wrong reasons, I think they're leaving for the right reasons. Like, it's the right kind of heat. I think they're mad that their hero is losing from a pro wrestling sense, not from a, ah, this booker is ruining my life sense. Do do you understand what I'm saying? Because we see no evidence that has affected business in any way whatsoever, and people have been saying that people have stormed out of Naito matches for the last three years. I'm kind of tired of hearing that because... If you keep coming back, it's the right kind of heat. Exactly right. They hate this guy, but they want to. They hate him in the sense that they want him to get his ass kicked. And they, and which they, is the good and, type of heat, which is pro wrestling. Yeah. At its core is that the heels are bad, and you don't want them to win, and you hate them. Right, and you hate the guy so much you don't want to listen to his post match speech. But which is a good thing. Has, like that's a good thing, and that's the, the way they played it up too. Like New Japan, if it was truly a bad thing that they were worried about, they wouldn't have Kevin Kelly go, "Oh, look at the crowd! They're getting up and leaving immediately. They can't even stand this guy or whatever." Like they're playing it up because it's cool. It's good heat. The idea that this asshole gets into the ring after he wins and and makes fun of Lij by announcing every member of the Bullet Club, Mister Juicy. Like you know what I mean? Like that stuff's awesome. Like it's great. That's heel heat. That's what it is. I and love people are so not it. used to it. I love that he threw in Mr. Juicy. I love that. And you know that Mr. Juicy, like, fist pumping at the outside, like, yeah, I'm in the Bullet Club. <laughs> yeah. He needs to shout out Jarrett and Scott Demore one of these days, too, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But I don't, uh, think, I don't think Jeff Jarrett is ever going to shout out. 
on a New Japan show. <laughs> I don't think so either, but uh, no, no but I, it's, I, it's cool stuff. It's, it's, so that's the thing that, like, I love that about Jay White, but sometimes his matches, sometimes the bulk of his matches just don't click with me, especially these 30-minute epics that he has. Like, the Okada match from earlier this year that was just, like, 15 minutes in and out, great. Good stuff. The stuff he had with Juice Robinson, which is just, like, 15, 20 minutes, good. I, I'm struggling with the 30-minute stuff with him. And I do it with Naito, too. Naito is not a guy who always clicks with me in these big-time matches as well, because sometimes I feel a little that they get dull at a certain point, that they get a little boring at a certain point. And, and, and that's nothing against them. 30-minute matches are tough to do. Some guys are great at them. Some guys excel at them, and other guys don't. Like That's nothing against them. I think these wrestlers, they're, they're both very, very good wrestlers. I would just like to see them maybe condense it down a little bit, because it feels at times like they're just adding 10 minutes to the match because it's the main event, and, and, and I think they'd be both served. Maybe, you know, getting to, cutting to the chase a little bit quicker. But it is what it is. Regardless, I like the white character. I think what they're doing with him is tremendous. And he's got to be in the mix at Wrestle Kingdom now. It's got to be him. It's got to be Naito. It's got to be Ibushi, and it's got to be Okada. Those are the guys that they kept saying. At the end of the night, Kevin Kelly was... The Zack Sabre Jr., I don't know what the hell. I, I guess Zack Sabre Jr. is just kind of saying it to, to, to save face, but I don't think he's involved in this. I think those are your four guys here. White obviously puts himself in there, winning this title. Ibushi's got to be in there, because he's got the, the, the briefcase. Okada, of course. And I feel like Naito probably has to find his way in there, too. I mean, they're going to have to be a little creative about that. Has he earned it, really? I don't know right now if he's earned it, but they're going to have to find a way to get there. But I, I am... I'm more excited for what's to come at Wrestle Kingdom now after this match than I was before. Are, are, are you the same, or are you kind of still on the fence about it? I don't know. I have to see how they put it all together. Um, what about the idea of, like, a two-day eight-man tournament? Why are we all convinced it's going to be four people? You're right. I mean, it's not. I, I guess the problem is there's a lot of moving parts there, but is there? You only need four more. But do eight more. people deserve Zach it? Basically though basically inserted himself. Yeah, but 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 and and someone brought this up, and I forget who it was, and I I feel bad that I can't credit them. You have Kenta. Yeah, he's a champion. Yeah, I, I think what I was gonna say. The one thing that somebody brought up about uh, about Zach, and and I thought it was a very very good point, is that Zach should want to be involved in this mix. Everybody should want to be involved in this mix, but maybe he's not going to be involved in that mix. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in WWE, a guy would say, I want to be in the the, the match at, at Survivor Series or whatever. And then he's just in the match at Survivor Series right. because he said it. Or they do the, the promo where people come out and, and, and you know, they'll talk about how they're going to be in the world title match. And then they're just all in the world title match because it happens to be a TLC match or whatever. Like there's all that sort of stuff. Whereas I kind of like the idea. And, and I forget again. I, I, I'm sorry. I forget who, who said this, but the idea that Zack Sabre Jr. would say, well, yeah, I want to be involved in that. Of course, I want to be involved in that. But he might not be involved in it. You know, he could say, like, because you and I were saying, well, why the hell did he say he was going to be involved in it if he wasn't? And the, 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 it might just be as simple as, like, everybody on that roster should want to be involved in this. You know, everybody that's worth their merit. Like, Yoshihashi should say the same thing. He's a fucking dork. He shouldn't be involved in it. But, like, you, you should, every roster member should want to be involved in that. But maybe everybody shouldn't be involved in that. I think when you go to eight men, you take the specialness out of it a little bit. Because, yeah, you can have your Evil, you can have your Sonatas, you can have your Zack Sabre Juniors, your Kentas, your Ibushis, your Okadas. Yeah, but there's, like, too many. Like, I, I like the fact that there's a main event rung. And, and, and they're extending that rung a little bit to, to let the Intercontinental title in there. But that's it. Like, we don't need to be going down to let the Never Openweight Champion in there. The U.S. Champion doesn't need to be in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I, I don't like that idea of opening it up to eight. That, that's where it gets a little too much for me. I don't even like the idea of four. So I'm with you. But... I'm going to give it a chance, and maybe as time moves along, if that is the route that they're going, I'll get excited about it. Um, we'll see. Right now, I'm kind of just, I'm, I'm firmly on the fence, and I can go either way, depending how they build it, and um, 
and how it ultimately plays out. But what did you think of the Goto Shingo finish? I saw a lot of people upset that Shingo lost to Goto. Now, Goto came out later and challenged Jay White, which kind of made it all make sense. But even from that perspective, you could have had Shingo win and challenge Jay White, seeing as though Shingo is Naito's boy. And that would have made sense too. So what did you think of Goto beating Shingo? Because I have strong feelings on this. I want to know what you think about it. Yeah, for for me, I had no issue with it whatsoever, and and I I could see a lot of people, and and unfortunately, I might have contributed a little bit to that when I joke about you know Goto being a dork or whatever and a geek or whatever. It's just like in the sense that like you know when he challenges for the world title, he loses, or he wears the GS for Goto thing in in September of 2019 after he's already not won the G1 or whatever. There's just like little stuff like that that Goto does, you know, getting his ass kicked by Okada and then joining Chaos or whatever. There's that, but but at the end of the day, like. If you don't understand where Goto fits in the New Japan hierarchy and you don't understand what his role is, then then you're just lost. Like the idea that like losing to Hiroki Goto is some bad, terrible thing of, oh my God, what have they done with Shingo? Like, no, that's that's ridiculous. Like Goto is a guy that they've proven that they can go with in a main event role in, in, in some cases, or or you know, have some spot shows where he's in the main event or in the big picture. They've done it with that before. They've had him win G1s before, they've done stuff like that. They see him as as an upper mid-carter. And and Shingo Takagi is Maybe a rung below that. I don't. I won't say he's a mid Carter, but he's something below that. We saw in the G one, like he he got what was his eight points or whatever. That that's fine. That's a good run for Shingo Takagi. Moving up from the juniors, going to heavyweights and getting eight points in the G one. That's really good. A lot of guys don't get that. A lot of guys have to eat shit for a few years before they get there. But Shingo's not at that level yet. He's not up to that upper echelon yet either. And and there's also the the idea too that you know he went to the G one and, and and he beat Goto. He beat Goto on that final night, and that was an important role for Shingo to get his numbers up. And for Goto to kind of now have this rematch that he goes against Shingo, and he beats Shingo this time, and, and then he goes to challenge him. So there's a way, I mean, like you said, you could have had Shingo win the match at the G1, you could have Shingo win here, and then you could have Shingo challenge for Jay White. But that is just, that's just not how they do that with these guys. The pushes don't happen that quick, even with a guy like Shingo. I might disagree with that. I might have been perfectly fine with Shingo going through there, but to think that losing to Goto is some, like, black mark or some, oh my god, what, what have they done with Shingo lately? Like, that's just not understanding where Goto is in the hierarchy and maybe listening a little too much to the Goto as a geek and the Goto as a loser and all that sort of stuff. That's in jest. That's a joke. That thing. You're doing but he's actually in actuality an upper mid. Yeah, exactly. Like I just, I, I find it funny that the way they kind of treat him sometimes, but at the end of the day, Hiroki Goto is a big de- goddamn deal in that company. He's one of their, their, he's not one of their top stars, but he's the next rung up. He's one of those top guys in the next rung. I'm he's a guy that can what? always go for a title shot. Win a G1, do it whatever. Yeah, go ahead. He's Scott Hall. He's a guy who, Scott Hall never held a world title, but from 1993 onward, or was it nine? When when did he become Razor Ramon? 93? Uh, 93, 93. No, it's 93. Yeah, so from about 93 until he retired across two different companies, Scott Hall was an upper mid-carder who could be a credible main eventer at any time, even though he was never a world champion. And that's what Goto is. And I know, you know, you're just doing shtick. I understand that. But it's like, I, you know, it's, it's, he's clearly ahead of Shingo in the pecking order right now. As well he should be. You know, Shingo's got plenty of time. He was a junior 10 minutes ago. Shingo will be fine. Don't worry about Shingo. They clearly like Shingo. I don't have any concerns about where his push is going. But this is New Japan. And... You have to understand, if you've been following the company for any length of time, they will slow play these guys. 
Okay, so if you're a big Shingo fan, if you're not prepared to wait for a real sustained push from him, you're just setting yourself up for frustration. It's it's every year or two, every couple of years, they'll give a rocket pack to someone, but for everybody else, it's a slow burn before they get where they want to get with the guy. And that's where Shingo is right now. He's going to lose to a guy like Goto at this point. And especially if they're setting up Goto for a main event against Jay. It's going to be a main event match. Hiroki Goto versus Jay White is going to headline some show this fall. So, um, I didn't have a problem with the finish either. And I thought it was the best match on the show. Um, we don't have to do all these tags, I guess, right? I don't think so. Yeah, there's some we could talk about. I, I really did enjoy the uh, the LIJ Chaos um, one, the third from the top. I thought there was some real good energy in that one. It was Okada, Robbie Eagles, and Kota Bushi uh, versus Bushi Evil uh, and Sonata. I thought the interactions with Sonata and Okada were really good. The interactions with Evil and Ibushi, particularly after the match too, where they're just slapping each other and 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 you know getting you ready for uh, their eventual match coming up at King of Pro Wrestling. That was really cool. And then anything with Robbie Eagles right now, I'm all in on. It. Robbie Eagles might be my favorite wrestler in New Japan right now. I just love everything that guy's doing and the momentum that they've done with him and 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 you know just the build with him has been good. He took the fall here, but of course he was going to take the fall here uh, when you're on a team with Okada and Ibushi. But uh, I thought he really showed himself to 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 be in that mix. Like when you're talking about like. The guys like Evil Sonata, Okada, and Ibushi, and then Robbie Eagles is right there neck and neck with them. I mean, that's a tremendous uh, thing for him. So I really, really like that tag match. I that had really good energy as well. Um, but yeah, some of the other stuff. I mean, most of the other ones we don't really have to talk about, to be honest. Like, I'm glad that Eagles is doing well because I really hyped him up before his first tour. And a lot of people who had never seen him before were like, eh, he was all right. He was a guy. But I had faith because I had seen him wrestle so many times, you know, watching the Australian Indies and whatnot, and I knew eventually if he got opportunities, he was going to blow people away. And it looks like Robbie Eagles has finally won over most people in New Japan. Yeah, we, we talked about it at the time, too, that there seemed like there was not a lack of confidence, but a lack of, like, comfort when he first came in there. Like, he wasn't sure what he was supposed to be or how people would react to him. And we talked about it. There was that one night. I forget what it was. He came out, and we just could tell from the moment he walked out. It was like, fuck, this guy's got confidence now. He's ready to go. And then from that point on, he's been, like, great. You know, it might have been the best of the Super... I forget exactly where it was, but it was just like the first time he got in there. Maybe it was the second time they brought him back or something like that, where we were just like, all right, no, never mind. They got him. Like, he he feels like, okay, cool. They were... I was worthy enough to come back, and 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 now I'm here, and, and now I'm ready to go. Like, okay, cool. You, you have some faith in me. Let's go. And the similar thing happened with Chase Owens, too. Like, the first time Chase Owens was there, we're like, oh, Jesus, this guy weighing over himself. And, and that's another guy we thought would be tremendous in New Japan. And then, like, the second time they brought him back, it was like, oh, okay, you brought me back. Cool. All right, now I'm comfortable again. And, and then you kind of saw the true talent of that. So, yeah, that, that was uh, – it's cool to see that out, out, of, out of Robbie Eagles. Um, yeah, sometimes it takes a couple of tours. It's an unfamiliar surrounding. It's unfamiliar fans. In the case of both Eagles and Chase Owens, they had never worked Japan before. So you're Chase Owens. You're used to working these southern indie crowds, and you know what gets them going. You know the little things you can do. Robbie Eagles, he's you know working in Australia. It's a different environment. You're working with different people, so you don't know what your opponents are capable of doing. You don't know what you're capable. You're not familiar with them either. So sometimes it takes a couple of tours to find your footing and get comfortable. Maybe Mad Mikey Nichols will get comfortable at some point. Oh, boy. <laughs> is he still there? Like, <laughs> Well, he's on the tour that we're going to talk about. Oh, so, all right. Uh, I guess he he's still, still there, there then. Sides. It's, it wasn't.
Yeah, I couldn't tell you a thing that happened in this match. I don't remember anything. Except for Sho got beat up afterwards, and or Yo got beat up afterwards for pinning um, Tonga, I think. Here. Yeah, they're putting more heat on that, Matt, because they're going to have a title match in the U.S. this weekend. By the way, there's three New Japan shows in the U.S. this weekend. <laughs> right, there wasn't enough wrestling. Yeah, they're all sold out, so we'll, we'll get to those. And then, you know, the... Uh, the Suzuki Gun versus Tanahashi, Liger, Romero, and Tiger Mask. That was where they did the big angle with uh, with Kishin Liger. So that wasn't even a match. I think officially Suzuki Gun may have won by DQ, or was a no contest. I thought it was. I thought it was a no contest, but I think they did DQ because because Liger put his you know threw down a referee or whatever and used the weapons yeah. or whatever. So I think that they they I thought it was a no contest, but then I also saw that they maybe have put it as a DQ. But regardless, it didn't matter. It was barely a match. It, nothing really happened. Yes, they did. Oh, the, the Christian Liger. Nothing happened in the ring, I should say. But in case, yeah. of course, a lot happened in the angle. So, yeah, they did the great angle, and he had the railroad spike, and he put it through the table as he tried to kill Minoru Suzuki with a railroad spike. Um, and they look—they're going to have their match. I mean, they're not going to stretch this out to Wrestle Kingdom. They're fifth from the top at King of Pro Wrestling on an absolutely stacked card, so they're going to do that match right away. And then we had. Um, Fale, Chase Owens, and Yujiro defeated Toa Hanare, Togi Makabe, and, and Tomoaki Hanma. Rich, I have nothing to add on that one. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing, man. I remember. I I guess it was a match. It went eight minutes and twenty two seconds, apparently. But um, six yep. guys with <laughs> nothing going on is basically what that was. Um, you know, so really not much to break down. And then we had the Young Lions stuff. Clark Connors. Um, to me, kind of a mild upset over Ren Narita. But then the match to, uh, wouldn't you know it, Rich, uh, by chance, the final match of the Young Lion Cup also happened to be the two highest point getters and was. Wow, crazy. unbelievable. Weird it's how that schedule how that worked, worked out, out just huh? perfectly. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Similar to when they do those G1s and the final, you know, the final matches always just come down to guys going in and out of the block. It's, it's, they're lucky over there in New Japan, I tell you. Really incredible. But uh, Carl Fredericks is your uh, Young Lion Cup champion. Were you a little surprised? Did you think they were going to go with Fredericks? I mean, you know, Aminu obviously is the uh, star of the class in Japan. Fredericks, the star of the class from L.A. So uh, did this surprise you at all, or does it re- did it really not matter? Clearly, they are very bullish on both of these men. To me... I, I don't know that I was surprised because I thought I, I, what I did is I kind of looked back at, at the prior Young Lions Cup and I was thinking about this a little bit because initially my reaction was, oh, wow, I thought Shota Umino was going to win that. But I think that, you know, we look at the, the prior winner w- 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 was Kitamura, who obviously yeah. they had high hopes for uh, as a heavyweight, you know, a big time heavyweight or whatever. And, and, and that probably should have happened. But obviously many, many circumstances led to it not happening. And I kind of think the same thing here is when you look at this roster and you look at the guys that are in there and we've talked about a lot, Umino, we love him. That guy's going to be something. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something. Uh, Suji, eh, I don't know about Suji. <laughs> we'll see about Suji. Uh, Narita, I think, is good, but I see him as kind of like a junior guy. I see him as like a roster fodder guy. Would you Would you agree? Like, Narita's not... Um, Narita's not going to main event a Wrestle Kingdom. No, 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 no. I know, yeah. If you're looking at it from that perspective, no, he's not going to main event a Wrestle Kingdom, correct. And I look at Umino and, and, and Fredericks, and I kind of ha- make the same question. Okay, like, who is the guy that I could see headlining a Wrestle Kingdom. Who's the guy that I could see headlining an upcoming King of Pro Wrestling, you know, in the, in future years? And I, I love Umino. There's nothing against Umino. But you can't you can't see Carl Fredericks and not think, fuck, this guy is going to be a huge deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, Umino, I love. I think he's tremendous. I think he's going to be the better worker of the two, you know, all time. But you, you can't 
see Fredericks and not think, fuck, this guy could be a star. You know what I mean? Like, and that's where like I think that they look at it. Is like, all right, look. A, le- a legitimate money-drawing star is what you're saying. Right, right, right. And that's nothing against Umino. I think Umino is going to be great. And I might be wrong. Umino might be that guy that made events for Wrestle Kingdom. And Fredericks might fall off the face of the mat and, and never do anything, just like Kitamura. But when I think is they're looking at this and going, okay, who's the guy that we give this to that we can use later on down the line when we're trying to pump this guy up as like, oh, well, he won the Young Lions Cup in 2019 or whatever. Like, Umino will be fine. Umino, whatever they do with Umino, eventually will be fine. But Carl Fredericks, man, there is something with that guy. There, there, there's, it's just undeniable when you see him come out. You see the reaction he has. You see how he looks. You, you see the way he projects himself. Like, that is a dude that, that, that you could absolutely see main eventing Wrestle Kingdom down the line. And I think that's where the decision comes at. Is like, all right, look, Umino will be fine without this. It's okay. But this could really help Fredericks. This could really be another notch in the resume for Fredericks that we could use down the line and, and, and really use to pump him up later. So I think that's where the decision comes ultimately is like, who do we see as being the big time guy that's going to, you know, sort of lead us into it? Because you look at other, you know, just quickly, you know, some other, you know, recent Young Lion Cups guys. You have 1994, you have Kojima. I say recent, I went to 1994. You have Nakanishi. 2000, you have Kenzo Suzuki, which at that time was a big deal, by the way. Kenzo Suzuki was supposed to be a big deal in 2000. You have guys like Ruski Taguchi. Again, 2004, maybe they have a little higher hopes. But then you have Goto in 2005. Then it goes away for, you know, 11, 12 years. And then it's Kitamura. So you look at guys like Goto and Kitamura. I mean, those were guys that were clearly set up to be big-time main eventers, to be stars. And I think the same thing has to be said with Frederick, too. That they think that Fredericks is that guy. That he could be a star. So I, I'd have no issue with it. I'd be fine with either guy winning. But I, do, I just think Fredericks has that projectable thing that you can just say, like, fuck, this guy could be a huge star. This guy could really be it. And that's what I think lead, it ultimately leads to. I mean, at this point, unless he quits, I'd be shocked if he doesn't become a star. That's how convinced I am already. Um, he seems like he has his head on straight, so that doesn't really seem to be a concern. He's not a rookie. I mean, he's been wrestling for a number of years, so this is not someone who just took this up in the last year and then maybe will fall out of love with it. So you don't really have those concerns either. And he is the total package in every other way, particularly for the company he's in. He's everything they want. He's got the size. He's got the look. He's got incredible athletic ability. And he just jumps off the page. And, um, yeah, the only thing stopping him from becoming a major player, I think, is if he quits. I I, I think it's that much of a lock. Shota Aminu is going to be fine. Would not be stunned if he becomes a major player. Um, he's going to go to Europe. He's going to go to the UK. They didn't specifically say Rev Pro, but it's obviously where he's headed. Um, maybe he can find the great Okarn while he's there. I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> I don't um, know. You went away and then... Have we found... Uh, who else are we looking for? We're looking for a lot Kawata. of the young lines right now. They've, they've disappeared. Yeah, Kawato, where the hell is he at? He did terrible in Mexico. And disappeared. And he's not coming back to Mexico. And Kawato and Okarn are just... They're missing in action. And... <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> I mean, they could... It could just be one of those deals where... They're both going to get some kind of a push. And they're both going to come back as surprises at some point. You know what I mean? Because they've done that before. Um, Or... The other thing is, when guys disappear sometimes, it's just because they disappeared. And they don't really ever explain it. So, you know, there's a lot of chatter that Okarn quit. But it's just chatter, so I've never put a ton of stock into it. 
I think it's just people speculating. And Kawato, I don't know. I mean, he seemed like a guy when he left who was starting to impress people. Look, I he's a real funny-looking guy. And I never thought he had star potential, but I thought he had something that was going to make him a valuable roster member. Right, he had yeah. that Hanma charisma where people like knew yeah. he was going to lose but really wanted to watch him lose and like not in the they wanted him to win, but then when he lost they were like not disappointed either. It was like, "Oh, darn. Well, we'll get him next time." <laughs> like that sort of like that guy could have lost for 5 straight years and and people would still love him every single time he came out. Well, I think you said a good thing there. It's like he had a crowd connection. Similar to, you know, Hanma had an obvious crowd connection in his prime. And I think Kawato was developing a real strong crowd connection before he left. I didn't think he was ever going to be a superstar or anything. But he did terrible in Mexico, by most accounts. And again, now, who knows what's going on? He's just... Both of them. No, we haven't heard anything about either one of them. And if those two guys don't work out or just disappear, what a lost class when you throw in Kitamura. You know what I mean? And then there was one other guy, I think, from that class who retired. Was well, I'm well. looking right now. I'm looking at the 2017 Young Lions Cup, and my Kanemitsu, God, what a what a Kanemitsu. yeah. So, so there was oh, Yagi is the one I think you're. Th- are you thinking of Yagi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're thinking of Kanemitsu? Oh, yeah, Kanemo- uh, or Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 ran away, or, or I forget what the hell happened with him. He was injured uh, as well. He but yeah, the 2017 injury. Young Lions Cup. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The neck injury, and then I think they said he was going to come back, and then he just like I don't. Oh, he came yeah, back, he, right? He did wrestle once. He and then wrestled he was gone a match, again, I think. but he just yeah, the neck injury. He just got hurt. I mean, that happens. And then, yeah, there's the Yagi. I don't know what's up with that. And Yeah, so this 2017, real, real quickly, real quickly, this yeah. 2017 Young Lions Cup. All right, so, and I remember at the time we were like, holy fuck, man, what a, what a roster of guys. Because they all felt like they had some, so you have Kitamura who wins. He, a mystery as well. We've heard murmurs of motorcycle accidents and this and that. I think he's, he's just bodybuilding now. He just went back to bodybuilding. So uh, that's it for, for Kitamura there. But uh, he was a guy who, again, projectable. Was like fuck. This dude could be a huge star. This guy could made him at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, you have Kawato, Oka, Umino, Narita, and Yagi. So Umino and Narita still hanging around after 2017. Yeah. But those top three there: Kitamura, Kawato, Oka, <laughs> missing in action, and then Yagi's just gone completely. Yeah. So fuck. <laughs> if those two guys don't come back, that's really a lost class. Because you know people are going to associate Umino and Narita with this class. Um. As well, because they're not going away until now. Na- you know, they're going away now. And Narita is going to L.A. with Shibata. So, notice he's not going to Ring of Honor. I mean, I, I think that's notable. <laughs> oh, absolutely, for sure. So, he'll go to L.A. and I, presumably he'll get booked out of that L.A. office. And it's going to be really interesting to see where he gets booked. So, and I, I, I would assume that Shota Aminu is going to do a heavy dose of RevPro. Okarn was working every rev. Pro- he got plenty of work when they sent him to Europe. So I don't. I'm not worried about Amino. He'll get plenty of work, and he'll work with decent people, and he'll be okay. Um, Hiromu, I think, went to Europe first, and then went to Mexico. So, you know, Europe isn't a bad stop. Um. So yeah, we say goodbye to Narita and Amino, and uh, you know the LA guys. I, you know, maybe they'll drift back in and out of Japan a little, but, um, great tournament. I mean, a lot of fun and every match I watched and I watched all of them. So you know, we're all of, of, there were no bad matches or matches where I would say, oh, skip that one. They were all really good, but they were all very similar. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, nothing was terrible. I don't think I watched one of these and went, ah, that just didn't work. I mean, there were some ones that weren't obviously very... I mean, the Michael Richards matches, I was kind of, eh, on. they were just kind of there. And there's a few matches that just didn't quite click. But yeah, for the most part, every single one, I, I, I really did enjoy. I mean, every single one, I think, at, at a certain level... Offered you something and some insights and some, 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 you know, you're going to get entertainment value when you're only talking about, you know, five to 10 minute matches. Like they have to do much to kind of feel like you didn't waste your time. And, and I don't feel like I wasted my time watching any of them, uh, even if some didn't quite deliver to the other levels. But the ones that were good were really, really good. And, and what's cool about them and, and the reason why I tell people to watch these and, and I saw a lot of people being like, oh, I was a little disappointed. Like you're not going to get spectacular spots. Like nobody's going to do anything incredible, but you're just watching for, for the progression. You're watching for the little work. You're watching for the little nuance that comes in every single match or whatever. And like the Carl Fredericks Umino one, like I saw some people being like, oh, that finish was kind of like bland, but it's like, of course he was going to win with a crap. Like what the fuck did you expect? Like that's what it's, it's all about. But like, I still think there was enough that you saw there to, to kind of give you an idea of, okay, ooh, ooh, oh, that was nice. Like what you're watching for is to see little nuggets, little things that change, little things that guys do to sort of adapt and, 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 and alter you know, alter anything slightly. And that's what you're kind of looking for with these matches. So no, you're not going to get a bunch of kickouts and a bunch of big moves and a pile driver and, and, and a Canadian destroyer and all that sort of stuff. You're going to get simple stuff, but it's all about making the most of that simple stuff. And that's what you watch these matches. for. They all established their own little personalities. And a lot of them began to establish their own little finishing holds. Aminu with the fisherman buster and whatnot. So there was some of that too, but yeah, they're, they're, look, they're, they're, they're taught to wrestle a certain way while they're in this role. And honestly, I liked it. I mean, I thought it gave variety to all of these shows because you had like these pure classic strong style wrestling matches underneath. And, you know, they, these guys, they all get away from it <laughs> after they graduate. They don't really work that pure style. So it's nice to see that on these undercards. And, you know, they just do, you know, we talk about it all the time, but they do just a tremendous job training these guys. But, um, so coming out of that show, you look at the top five at King of Pro Wrestling, and it's just, you know, five killer singles matches. You've got Okada and Sonata for the title, of course. Abushi defending the case against Evil. Uh, Moxley is back defending against Juice Robinson in a no DQ match, which really could go either way. Because you got to figure Moxley's going to be at the Dome, right? So. Oh, for sure. No, for sure. He he, he wants to be there. He's going to be there. And then you have uh, Willow Spray versus El Phantasmo, which has been a excellent uh, built feud. And they're doing Liger Suzuki, fifth from the top on this show. I mean, what a loaded show. And then there's four tags, uh, none of which... That show is loaded out of its mind. Tanahashi's in the... the- Tanahashi's second from the bottom. <laughs> like, that's how loaded this fucking show is. Tanahashi yeah. and Hanma against Makabe and Yano. Loaded. Um, I'm trying to look for clues in the tags, but I think most of them look pretty inconsequential. Um, I'm not really seeing anything. Maybe Kenta reignites something with Ishii or Goto. But would they really have Goto go from... He still has to have his Jay White match, so forget Goto. Because Jay White's in that match, too. Because it's Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi against Jay White, Kenta, and Yujiro. So Goto and Jay White will be paired off in that. And this will be after Kenta's match with Yoshihashi, which he's going to win. So maybe they reignite Kenta versus Ishii there. What do you think of that? I, I do see that. Yeah, I, I do see that. And the other one I see is Zack Sabre Jr. and Naito uh, across from one another uh, in a tag match. I could see, I don't know what exactly that looks like or what exactly that is, but it just those names stick out to me on that tag match. I just can't imagine that that's just, hey, just those guys thrown together. It might be, though. I just had a bell go off in my head. If Saber's talking about getting in that double title mix 
well, why not build to Naito Saber for a spot in that thing? Right, Naito beats him. That might be on. it. So you might be right. You're right. That they might they might start a Naito Saber feud with that tag because it's Naito Shingo and Bushi versus Saber Archer and Taiji. So that might be it. And then you know, then maybe by that point they kind of announce the plans for whatever's going on at Dome, and then Saber because cha- White will have a spot, Okada will have a spot because they're champions, and Abushi has the briefcase. So there's a four- right. Abushi will will claim it at King of Pro Wrestling. So it might you might even be able to lock that up. Yes, you know, pretty quickly after have three of the four ready to go, and then maybe have Naito and Saber kind of jaw jack at each other, and, and then you just have to lock in that fourth guy. Who is it going to be between Naito and, and, and Saber? I think we may have just booked it. Because what we forget is that you still got to get through these matches. So Okada has to beat Sonata, and Abushi has to beat Evil before they can really start locking things down. And at some point, White has to beat Goto. But yeah. You can kick off the Naito Saber feud here and have them battle over the last spot in the tournament down the line. Right, right, right. Well, I guess, yeah, so White White and Goto, you wouldn't have White, but you would presumably have Okada here locked in. You would have Kotobushi locked in. Yeah, that's his second Maybe you need White to obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that match is ready to go, but then you need White to kind of lock it in uh, against Goto. And then, yeah, Naito versus Saber. So you can can build that up for the next few months and, and, and have everything ready to go by December. Pretty much. So, yeah, yeah that, that's a good plan. Yeah, uh, do it so, by Dominion, right? Is when you got to get it done. Yeah, so there you go. We'll, we'll send that in over to uh, <laughs> Kato right now and see what he thinks. So. That seems to be it, which would explain why Saber cut that promo. Right. See, there's always there's always some meaning. There's always some purpose see, to it. So Saber cut the promo. And, you know, this way, you know, him and Naito can battle over that fourth spot. So that's kind of what I see with those undercards. And then we have the three shows this weekend. Lowell Mass, Hammerstein, and Philly. Boy, did Philly get fucked. <laughs> they did. My God. Can I ask you a question? Uh, yeah, go ahead. What the fuck is Okada doing? Is he going to an Eagles game or something? What's he doing on Sunday? <laughs> I don't know. Why can't he wrestle that show? I don't understand. <laughs> Are the Eagles playing uh, that day? No, uh, you know I mean, I, Eagles... I know they're playing that day. Are they playing at home? Uh, no, they're that's... not. They're playing Thursday. Well, he's got no excuse then. <laughs> I don't know. So maybe he's going to a Phillies game or something. I have no idea what he's doing. Yeah, I, was gonna, I don't think he's going to go to any Phillies games uh, <laughs> after a few days from now. So, Well, that'll be the last day of the season, I don't think right? There'll be any more Phillies games. Oh, maybe. Uh, maybe he really, really wants to see uh, well, his Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, I don't know. So Philly doesn't get Okada. And then they get a 12-man elimination match as their main event. I mean, Philly really right. got fucked Which- here. <laughs> Which features Gato and Chase Owens and Yoshihashi. So. Yeah. And the first four matches on the show are Young Lion matches where they're just going to get squashed. So the first half of the card are four matches where the Young Lions are just going to lose. And then there's three ma- There's only three other matches. You know, you get a tag. You get two tags. Now, granted, Kota Ibushi and TJP versus Evil and Bushi. It's a nice little match. Right? That's a cool match, yeah. And, but then you get a 12-man elimination tag as your main event, which I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. But when you have no Okada and that's your main event, Philly got fucked. I mean, that's by far the worst of these three shows. Um, But hey, listen. The ECW Arena is going to have a main event this Sunday with the Rock and Roll Express and Kenta on opposite sides of each other. <laughs> right, exactly. So, <laughs> What the fuck kind of world is this? Like, 
This is the Rock and Roll Express. Them being on these cards is unbelievable because they found some incredible matchups for them to have. The, the, my favorite, of course, I think. Well, you obviously have the, the, them with Tanahashi, but I do think my favorite, when you try to kind of, okay, the Rock and Roll Express are in New Japan. Here's things that are going to happen. Here's moving parts. The, my favorite thing about it is, like you said, is that Kenta might be in the ring with Ricky Morton. You know what I mean? Right. In the ECW <laughs> like, arena. What the fuck? In the ECW arena. Like, like, there's a real chance that Kenta tags in and gets in the ring and Robert Gibson's on the other side. It's like, right. what? Like, in what scenario would that have ever occurred? Ever. Joe, it's five years ago if I said, hey, Joe, here's, here's my scenario. is Robert Gibson's in the ring and then Kenta's in the ring. Oh, yeah, it's in New Japan Pro Wrestling and it's at the ECW Arena. Like, none of those, every one of those things is more ridiculous than the other. It's like, wild. Robert Gibson and Kenta being in the same place at the same time blows my mind. And then it's also in New Japan at the ECW Arena. It's just unbelievable. The stuff that they have with these guys is really fun this entire weekend. I mean, I, I guess we'll, we'll do that before we kind of break down some of these other matches here. But at Little Mass, Rock and Roll Express versus Chase Owens and Jado. That is going to be the most Southern match you've ever seen well, in your life. Can you imagine? Here's what bothers me about that one. If Jado is going to wrestle, how do you not do Rock and Roll Express versus Jado and Gato on one of these shows? I agree. I 100% agree. Because Gato's going to wrestle on that, that Philly show, so why not? But we know, he's wrestling yeah, on the ballroom the one, too. He's wrestling, yeah, he's wrestling up and down these yes. shows. And yeah, I, I'm shocked that they didn't do that. Gato was never, like, Gato still wrestles now and then. It's Jado who I thought, okay, maybe he's just physically broken down and his career's over. But he's wrestling on all three shows, so it's like, if Jado's going to wrestle, you, listen, you had to do that match at some point. I mean, that's disappointing to me. But this whole Rock and Roll Express thing was probably put together with by Chase Owens. I mean, he was trained by Ricky Morton. So that's the connection. I'm sure he wanted to wrestle. Right, him. right. So he wants to get in there. With, I, I get it. Yeah. So I, I right. can't kill them for that. Cause, but look, you have two other shows, is my point. So it's like, do we really need a 12-man elimination match? Why not do a 8-man elimination match in Philly and do Rock and Roll Express versus Gato and Jado? Right? You can pull Gato out of that match. That's the one show Jado's not wrestling on. That would have been a cool-ass match to do with these two, an iconic American tag team, an iconic Japanese tag team who have never wrestled each other. I'm so disappointed they didn't make that happen. But Yeah, is it possible that they don't think that, that that's that big of a deal? That is is it possible that they think maybe the American audiences don't think it's a big deal? That is a million percent why they didn't do it. Because they're not thinking along those lines. You know what I mean? Gato's not sitting there in his office putting these shows together. He's not thinking about that for a second. You know, he like he probably doesn't think that him and Jado are he probably thinks they mean nothing to the American audience at all. I mean, right. He's wrong because the niche fan base that's going to go to these new Japan shows, especially in these cities on the East Coast, I mean, Gato and Jado have wrestled in the ECW arena before, you know, for ECW. And it's like... Oh, yeah, of course. Duh. Yeah, right. So it's like... but Oh, that would have been even better. It, Fuck, exactly, you're right. Philly is the saying. perfect spot for that. Damn it. Philly like, Philly right. was the play. Because you, yeah. don't, you don't need a 12-man tag. You should have done it in Philly. It all worked out to do it in Philly. And I really think that's a huge blown opportunity, but not, I mean, God, now I'm more upset. A Fuck, huge, I'm upset now. A huge, blown, right. a huge blown opportunity from the perspective of something cool. I don't think it makes a business difference or anything. Obviously, it's not what I'm saying. But 
man, I would have loved to have seen that match. Even with a combined age of, like, fucking 280 or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be good, but it'd be awesome. Yeah, I don't know if it'd be good anymore. Maybe those guys Listen, fired up one more time. Ricky, Roll Express have had some pretty good performances this year. Yeah, Ricky's killing Ricky it. Ricky Morton can still go. It, like, listen, he's not 1980. Yeah, Robert. <laughs> it's not 1985, Ricky Morton, but he can go. And look, you know Gato can fake his way through a match. There's no issue there either. Jado is probably a fucking mess. I mean, and Gibson is what he is at this point. But it, it, just the whole, it, would you really care how good the match was, though, at that No, who cares? You want to see those guys come out. You want to see the entrances. You want to see a hot tag, and that's all you really need. You want Gato being scared, a hot tag. uh, That's all you need. Yeah. You want the record books to have that match. Is 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 what you want? But um, I think New York is the best show. A lot of people think it's Lowell. I don't think anyone thinks it's Philly. I prefer the New York lineup because I really think Lance Archer, Carl Fredericks jumps off the page. TJP Ren Narita, I think, is a just a fantastic opener. Because you know TJP's going to give him a little something. For all the, you know, TJP is like, he's a fucking, he is what he is as a person. He's kind of an annoying guy. But he's a pretty selfless wrestler. And he's a really good wrestler. And I think that he'll give plenty to Narita. Those will be two really good openers. And then you get the never match. Which on paper isn't any kind of a killer match, but you at least get a title match there. And then Okada and Ibushi versus Evil and Sonata. If those guys have their working shoes on, and I think that they will. Well, at least three of them will. You never know it's Sonata. I just can't put my finger on that guy. But the other three people will work really hard. And that can be a killer main event. You know? So I like the New York show best. Uh, Lowell has Okada, Tanahashi, and Ibushi versus Naito, Evil, and Sonata. And it has the tag title match with Girls of Destiny versus Rapongi 3K. And it has the Rock and Roll Express match versus Owens and Jado. And the, the weird team of Ishii and Amazing Red against Shingo and Bushi, which is a match that a lot of people are excited about. <laughs> I love that. Amazing Red just, just can't retire. He is the Junakiyama of America. He just, he wants to retire. Then somebody says, hey, Amazing Red, can you work our show? And he goes, yeah. And then he's just in. Now he's just back. You know what I mean? Like well, the guy's trying to retire like four or five times. He's just back. I, how I love can it. he turn down an opportunity to work all these New Japan shows, though? It's like exactly right. I get it, and that's the thing. Like he wants to stop, and then like a great opportunity comes, and he's just like, "Fuck, well, I got to take it." Like I can't say no to that. Who's gonna say no to wrestling Willow Spray in a, a Super J Cup? I mean, you have to do that match, and you know they you do three matches in your backyard. He's from New York. You know, so it's not like he's flying all over the place to work these shows. And if his body is capable of it and they can talk him into it, they should fucking bring... I think they... TJP too. Those guys should be on the roster. If if they're, you know, like... Absolutely. Great. Yeah. Great assets to the roster. If Red's body's up to it, of course. Which, obviously, he's been trying to retire because of his body. But TJP, I mean, he was trained in New Japan. He's available. He's awesome. I mean, it's a guy that I, you know, they use him in the States, obviously, but fuck it. I mean, I, I'd bring him on. You know, there's, you're going to bring on Mikey Nichols. I mean, why wouldn't you use TJP full time? I mean, it, it just, you know, there's no reason not to. But, um, but yeah, so I don't know. I prefer the New York show. What, which of the, which of the shows do you prefer here? 
Yeah, well, so the one thing that that I really like about the New York show, and I was uh, you know trying to kind of explain the, the rock and roll thing, like you got Tanahashi in the Rock and Roll Express, which that's fucking awesome. Like you know, we talked about like maybe missed opportunities. Well, the one opportunity they didn't miss was having Tanahashi and the Rock and Roll Express yeah. together. I mean, that is like the most babyface match that ever babyfaced, and and they're gonna win, and they're gonna air guitar, and it's gonna fucking rock. So that that's really a lot of fun. And they're against the Lij team too, and it's it's Naito. Uh, Shingo and, and, and Bushi, so that's a really cool match. I think I mean I think Bushi probably takes the fall there uh, to give you know Tanahashi and the Rock and Roll their their spot there. So I, I like that. But as far as the shows, I, I do I think I like the New York one the best. The Lowell one is 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 close because I think there's enough there uh, to to kind of there's an it, it's competitive at least with the New York show. I think the New York show is far and away the best. Lowell is a close second, and then Philadelphia is like yeah, yeah. the farthest third as it's humanly possible. Like that show doesn't look like that show is like fine for a, a hardcore New Japan fan. Like I'm gonna watch it eventually if they pop up or whatever. And anyways, we should mention that the New York one is the only one that's gonna air live. The other ones, um, where are these airing? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, so the New Japan World for uh, the uh, New York one, and then shrug for the other guys. I don't know. They'll show yeah. up, in a and that was like a late announcement. That was a really like I think two or three days ago they announced. Uh, the New York show was going to air live on New Japan World. So that one is going to pop up. The other ones, presumably they'll film and presumably they'll show up. But mm, I mean, could be like the Jacob where it comes three months later and nobody cares Did anymore. Did you watch so. Jacob yet? No, and I don't think Neither I will. Neither have so. I because I just, it's such old news I can't motivate myself. I watch, a lot of the stuff I watch was either for my own, like, or I watch it for the show. And, and, and it just felt like the Super Jacob wasn't relevant enough to the show for me to watch it. And I want to watch Amazing Red and, and, and Osprey, and I probably will. Like you said, the time when I watch that is December. Yeah. Like when I'm like, all right, look, I got nothing else to watch. Tag League's going on. I don't give a shit about the World Tag League. I'm kind of caught up, and I'm trying to do my end of the year stuff. All right, let's watch this. Like that's absolutely when I'm going to watch the Jacob is December. I will because that's the issue. Yeah. If you don't, if it's not with me in a week or or, or a week or two, then I'm just not like Bull is going to be the same way. I, have, I I will. I've tried to watch Bulls in past years. This year. I don't think I'm gonna watch Bola. It's just it's it's impossible. It's hard. Or I'll watch it all in December in one weekend. Like I'll just binge watch Bola or whatever. But I'm not gonna watch it when the DVD drops or whatever in in fucking October or whatever. We're not gonna. How much is gonna be going on in the end of October, early November? We're gonna be sitting here talking about you know a two and a half month old match. I mean, get out of here. Can't justify it. I I you know there's stuff every weekend now, so I have to watch the stuff that's timely. That you know we get we're that number one we're gonna talk about on the show, and for I want to keep up. So when shows come out late like this, I'm with you. It's it's hard to find the motivation to watch. I will absolutely watch the Super J Cup on some lazy fucking, you know, day when I'm home alone and I'm caught up on everything else. I'll throw it on, but it hasn't been a priority and I haven't gotten to it, but I will. Um. So anyway, that's what's going on with, uh, I think we hit off on everything with New Japan. Right? Yeah, I think so. Let, let me quickly go over the cards yeah. here for people that, that, that do want to check it out. I'll just go real quick, and then we'll kind of move on to the next topic here. Uh, uh, 27th, uh, starting Lowell. Again, you're not going to be able to watch this right away, so I don't know when it's going to pop up. But yeah, Carl Fredericks versus Alex Coughlin. Alex Coughlin. They made a note to mention it's Coughlin, not Coughlin. So uh, Lance Archer versus Ren Narita. Uh, Juice Robinson and Mikey Nichols versus TJP and Clark Connors. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express versus Chase Owens and Jado. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii and Amazing Red versus Shingo and Bushi. That's fucking Ishii and Amazing Red. I love it. That's fucking great. That that helps Lowell a lot. That match right there. Uh, and I believe uh, uh, Andrew Rich, the host of the music of the mat, uh, is dubbing that team Red Bull, and I like it a lot. That's a great name for that team. Uh, Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, and Rocky Romero versus Jay White, Kenta, and Gato. Uh, then you have IWGP Tag Team titles here: Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa. 
versus Sho and Yo. And then your main event, Okada, Tanahashi, Ibushi versus Naito, Evil, and Sonata. Uh, September 28th, Hammerstein Ballroom. Again, this one will air live on New Japan World, so you can watch this live. Uh, and I'm assuming it'll be up immediately on, on demand as well. Uh, TJP, Red Narita, uh, Lance Archer, Carl Fredericks, Juice Robinson and Mikey Nichols versus Cla- uh, Clark, Connors, uh, Clark Connors and Alex Coughlin. Uh, Rocky Romero, Sho and Yo versus Tamatanga, Tangaloa, and Jado. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Rock and Roll Express. We talked about this one versus Naito, Shingo, and Bushi. Uh, Goto, Ishii, Amazing Red versus Jay White, Chase Owens, and Gato. Uh, your never open weight title match, you have Kenta versus Yoshihashi. And then your main event, Okada and Kota Bushi versus Evil and Sonata. And then finally, and mercifully, uh, September 29th, Philadelphia, Romero versus Connors, Nichols versus Fredericks, Archer versus Coughlin, uh, Amazing Red versus Ren Narita, uh, Juice Robinson, Sho and Yo versus Naito, Sonata, and Shingo, Kota Bushi and TJP versus Evil and Bushi. And then your elimination match, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshihashi, and the Rock and Roll Express versus Jay White, Kenta, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, Chase Owens, and Gato. So that is your uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed weekend. And uh, as we said, we talked about King of Pro Wrestling here. Uh, we'll, we'll do a bigger preview as we get there, but that's an absolutely loaded show. And yeah, there's a lot going on in New Japan right now. And I'm, I'm a little fired up. I always have this kind of malaise uh, after the G1 and this kind of come down during the Destruction Tour. We, every year we talk about this. Every single year we talk about this malaise, but I'm all back in, man. I, I loved Kobe. I loved all the stories that came in with Kobe. And I'm excited about King of Pro Wrestling. And this weekend sounds really fun, too. So I'm back in. I was a little, little down on New Japan for a while, but I'm, I'm all the way back in. So. Do you see, um, have you seen this spot by Raul Mendoza on NXT tonight where he did the springboard headlock takeover? I just, yes, it is fucking great. I, I, for people that are, have not seen it, uh, you can go to the, uh, at voices wrestling Twitter account. Uh, I just, I, I quote tweeted it and said, this spot fucking rocks. Holy shit. Is that the greatest spot I've ever seen in my life? That's my guy. Credit to uh, one, what, Cameron Grimes as well. Cameron Grimes uh, had to take a hell of a thing, too. But, yeah, this is a tremendous move by Raul Mendoza, too. I don't believe, I've, shit. I don't believe I've ever seen it. you got to see it to believe it. Just go to, go to At Voices Wrestling. I, I've, I've watched it like a thousand. When we were t- I forget what we were talking about, and I found it, and I saw it. And I probably watched it like 37 straight times to try to figure out how the fuck it even happens. Like, I, how the hell do you even do that? <laughs> like, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, and then he so just, good. And then he just slaps them in a side headlock when they hit the ground. It's so seamless. Mendoza's my guy. I, I've been on him from the day they signed him. I mean, he's always impressed me, whether it was Noah years ago or random Lucha shows. I mean, he's never getting pushed in this company, but it's a shame. If he's not going to get put, look, here's the thing, Rich. I don't even care if they ever, it'd be nice if they push him, but I don't care if they ever do. Coco Beware never got pushed. I loved watching him wrestle no matter what. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Like that, that, we're, we've come to a point now, and you, you talk about it all the time too, where people are like, oh, that guy deserves it, or this guy deserves that, or this guy deserves that. Like, nah, sometimes it's cool to just have a guy that's just like there. Like, I hope he's employed for years and just has great matches for like eight years. And uh, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't all, not everybody has to be a superstar. Not everybody has to be the main eventer and win titles. Like, I'm fine with that as long as it's respectable and he's having good matches. Fine with me. So it's like, if he gets pushed, great. I just don't think they're going to push him because he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that they're ever going to push. But I just wish he was on TV consistently. Whether it was 205 Live, NXT, I don't care. You know, rather it not be the main roster, honestly, because I'm never going to see him. But I wish he was on one of these sub-brands because he's so good and so smooth. And I really think he could help even if you're not going to push him, he could help get people over because he's just such a good worker. And um, I think he'd be very valuable as like a jobber to the stars type if that's the role he settles in on or a lower mid-carder just because he's so, he's so gifted. But man, what a spot that I can't stop watching it. 
Yeah, you have to turn it off. Like you were talking about something, and then you 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 said, "Rich, what do you think?" And I think I gave you like ten seconds of silence because I was just looking. Oh yeah, what? Hold on. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jay White. Jay White's cool. No, I, it's that's a tremendous spot. So yeah, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter, you'll see it. Uh, quote tweeted here, Joe. Okay, we got to get to this. Rumor has it. Rumor has it yes. that this weekend there is a Ring of Honor (ROH) for short is what they use. Uh, pay per view. Um, supposedly they have a card, and supposedly it's called Death Before Dishonor. Joe, have you heard anything about this? Uh, this Ring of Honor slash ROH pay per view going on this weekend? Rich, I watch ROH on Fight TV, so I uh, I'm on top of things. Rich, I do my homework. I'm familiar with. Well, you're ready to go then. So let's preview. Let's preview. Yeah, yeah, that's that's all right. <laughs> Death Before Dishonor 2019, Joe, this weekend. All the other stuff going on in wrestling, and we got a Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view. We have the pre-show, the pre-show, Jeff Cobb versus Brody King. Please note during this segment that Rich is <laughs> kicking the matches to me. To, uh, <laughs> right. Um, how he has fallen, Jeff Cobb. He's in a fucking pre-show match. So, I mean, it tells you all you need <laughs> Why? to know. Why? Why is he in a pre-show match? <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. I'm not even going to say it's it's like... They cooled him off to the point where it's not even wrong. I mean, but it's totally on <laughs> them suck. and not him. This company sucks. God, they Remember suck. Remember how hot he was? Yes. How do you fuck up Jeff Cobb? TV champ, red hot, having these <laughs> Beating great everybody. Beating Dragon Ball Z geeks. Beating those Future of Honor geeks. And Brody King. And, you know, Brody King, another guy who in theory should be pushed. I mean, so I don't know. There's your pre-show match. <laughs> Free show. Uh, Jay Lethal versus Jonathan Gresham. Look, these guys had a well. feud. What was it last year? Where they had a bunch of matches. Yeah, some great matches out of it, too. Some real fun matches out of it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like those matches as much as other people did, but. Um, so, you know, but people really seem to enjoy when these two guys wrestle, so. Um, that's a chance to be good, yeah. All right, so move on here. Anything goes. Barroom Brawl. The Bouncers versus Silas Young. And Vinny Marsalia. Yeah, so TK Orion is like still fucking hurt or dead or whatever he is. And Matt Taven's the world champ. And Balloon Guy has been having a television feud with the bouncers. I'm not making any of that up. <laughs> so. But Jeff Cobb's on the pre show. Got it. All right. Right, cool. exactly. But. <laughs> so the bouncers, you know, um, they used to be aligned with Silas Young, but. Now, I like team. that there's a, I didn't even notice this typo. Uh, I copy and pasted this card from uh, somewhere else and it says the bounces. I love their idea. They're um, called the bounces listen, instead of the bouncers. But. They're hefty fellas, you know, maybe, you know. I was going to say, oh, it might kind of work. I kind of like that idea of them calling them the, the bounces, but uh, yeah, I'll edit that right there. Bouncers. There we go. Okay. This week on TV, which isn't really the go home show because ROH's TV schedule is a mess and it's like. There'll be a new episode of ROH airing the day of the pay-per-view, which is kind of like, really, <laughs> it's just such a mess. So anyway. Um, there, there, like you said, there is a case to be made. Some people in some markets, Friday at 7 p.m. will be getting the hard sell for the pay-per-view that is airing exactly at the same time that they're watching Ring of Honor TV. Some people will be getting the hard sell for the pay-per-view on fucking Saturday and Sunday after the pay-per-view is over. Yeah. It's um, so bad. <laughs> so, yeah. But... They had Beer City Bruiser versus Balloon Guy, and they did a spot where the Beer City Bruiser bit the Balloon Guy, but the Balloon Guy didn't sell it because the Beer City Bruiser doesn't have teeth. Get it, Rich? Right. I think he's got one. He's got one tooth, right? Yeah. So he said... He's got, teeth. He's got tooth. He said, I don't have any teeth! Right. And then 
balloon guy beat him up. So, <laughs> as much as I like that spot, I also hate it. Yeah, it's a spot. It's one of those things. That's, it's a great spot, but God damn it, Ring of Honor, what the fuck are you doing? It's an incredible spot, but it also sucks. I totally right. understand what you're saying. Oh God! All right, anything more to add on the anything goes barroom brawl between the bouncers and South Song and Vinny Marsalia? No, you know, Balloon Guy. Okay. I don't know if Balloon Guy's <laughs> off on his own now. It's hard to tell. I don't know if the kingdom is a thing. Um, I don't I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Should be a fun number match. Number one contender. Uh, number one contender tournament match. Marty Scroll, the perpetually leaving Marty Scroll versus Colt Cabana. Marty, man, MSG's been a long time ago, but gosh darn it, we just couldn't do it then. So now he's in a number one contender's tournament match. Joe, is he winning? Is he moving on in this number one contender's tournament, or is he losing to old Colt? We've also got PCO versus Kenny King. K-I-N-G. King. In another number one contender match. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. How, how how can you predict the winner of that tournament? I don't know. Probably Kenny King. I mean, if we're being honest, it's probably Kenny King, right? K-I-N-G King. That's how you got to say it. You can't just say Kenny. He probably beats Cole Cabana. To, to move out. Like, Maybe. Right? I, don't, I don't know. Probably. Why not? <laughs> Women of Honor World Championship. Do you have anything more to add? Uh, can I just no. move on? All right, Women of Honor World Championship. I don't know. Did you see the Joe Coff quotes today about the Women of Honor? No, I did not. What do you say? These were going on as we... Okay, let me let me get the exact this quote here. This is not going to be good. <laughs> Rich, am I going to be... Depends how you define it. Is is Joe Coff canceled? No, he's not canceled, but he's just an idiot. Um, okay. Oh, fuck. I'm going to try to look up. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It, it's too good. I, I got it here. Uh, all right. <laughs> Oh my god. All right. Oh fuck what happened when I closed the window. He's uh he's he got interviewed by Newsweek somehow. <laughs> Some fucking Newsweek article uh from old What's the uh here. What's okay. the crossover of I want to get the exact quote here because okay. it's too good. Take your time. What's the what's the crossover <laughs> of Newsweek of, of Newsweek readers and ROH pay-per-view buyers? <laughs> zero. <laughs> Literally fucking zero. Oh, right. I got my new issue. Newsweek. I got my new issue in Newsweek. Let me see what's going on with Vladimir Putin yeah. and Joe Koff. <laughs> yeah. And Ring of Honor's Joe Koff talks to adapting the burgeoning re- wrestling industry, Death Before Dishonor, and more in the sports. Uh, okay. So the question from Newsweek is, there's a lot of promotions promoting their women's division. How does Ring of Honor plan to make the women of honor division stand out? Okay. I, I know what he said. <clears throat> Good. By hiring... All-time great. What do you say? By hiring all-time great Angelina Love. You're not far off. You're not far off. He says, quote, talent will speak to that. And the reason you see a slower growth is because we have high standards for our talent. There's a lot of women's wrestling and good women's wrestling. To be a wrestler right now is an excellent time. To be a fan is an excellent time. The business right now, it's a cyclical business. If you followed wrestling before... One sec, they played a random photo, video, a video in the background here. Uh, if you followed wrestling before, you've seen these cycles before. Maintaining, staying focused, keeps you in the game to keep playing and playing on. I have no idea what the last part is about whatsoever, but he does... Re- What's he re- saying? I have no fucking clue. He does bring it back, though. He says, our women's division is strong. It's not huge. We are still looking for a stable of high-profile women. And that's not to say women who are wrestling aren't, but you need more than four, five, or six to have a robust division. And there's a lot of training and development going on. And we are a patient company, so I don't feel the need to rush that out. We've had some pretty good signings over the last couple of months in the women's division, and I think you'll see an uptick in that shortly. 
Joe Coff. I was so I was so bored. <laughs> the biggest part here, the oh, biggest part is that God. first sentence that I talked about. Talent will speak to that. And the reason you're seeing a slower growth is because we have high standards for our talent. Joe, the match at Death Before Dishonor is going to be Kelly Klein versus Angelina Love for the Women of Honor World Championship. <laughs> yeah. Angelina Love, whose uh, claim to fame is... A lot of people watched Impact when her and Beautiful People came out. and I, yeah, I don't know if high standards of talent is quite what I would equate Angelina Love to, but... No, I mean, they're both terrible. Uh, you know, that's safe to say that. There was a segment on this week's TV with the women to build this match, and um, it made a two. It made the two hundred five live crowd sound rowdy. <laughs> I mean, nobody cared, and you really can't blame them. You know, it was Angelina Love and Mandy Leone just running down the entire babyface side of the roster. Sumi Sakai pretending to sleep in the corner. Um, you know, it's just. There's no talent, and because they're not booked well, nobody cares. And um, that match has a chance to be one of the worst pay-per-view matches of the year. Kelly Klein tries real hard. And I'll leave it at <laughs> she, that. Uh, sure, she's a very nice person. But yeah, no, that, that she, she had a stinker with Sumi Sakai. I cannot imagine her being the one that's going to have to lead Angelina Love through this match. I mean, that is going to be... Oof. That's gonna be one to watch, though. Like you said, that that could that could be like a fun, bad, horrendous match that you might want to go and check out because that, there might be something to to glean from that one at the end of the year. But uh, we have uh, move on here. Ring of Honor World Tag Team Titles: The Briscoes versus Bandito and Mark Haskins. Bandito and Haskins they beat um, Villain Enterprises to earn the title shot. So um, I think this will be the best match of the night. Haskins always tries hard. Bandito's pretty great. He's banged up, though. Um, he had a rough weekend at Bola, from what I understand, from a health standpoint. And then, you know, the Briscoes. So I, I think that has a chance to be the best match. All right, so somebody who hasn't watched uh, much Ring of Honor TV as of late, is Lifeblood still around? I know that these two men were in Lifeblood. Is it still hanging out without Juice Robinson around? I mean, they're all still loosely aligned, but... Yeah, like the leader's gone and Tennille's gone. Fucking Tennille Dashwood's gone and um but again, I don't even know what's going on with the kingdom cuz the the fucking the, the the guy who's always gotten to on Twitter hasn't been around a long horse, time. Guy, horse guy, horse guy. I believe his name is like horse guy, out. Joe. <laughs> yeah, horse guy and and the balloon guys hanging out with Silas Young. So a lot of these factions are just like I don't know. It's just it doesn't feel like I just I don't know. This may shock you, but it doesn't feel like there's a lot of booking attention. Interesting, into a lot interesting of development anymore. there. Ring of Honor. Who, who knew that uh, they were? I'll tell you what. Listen, Villain Enterprises though is still like all their shit is still really good, and like there's still some energy with Villain Enterprises. The rest of it, though, is yeah. Just, and like, I think what's cool about Villain Enterprises is they're doing some of their own stuff too. I saw that they launched like a their own like YouTube channel and their own. So they're they're trying to sort of. Well, of course, because what? The, exactly. Why wouldn't right. you? I mean, what's Ring <laughs> exactly, of Honor? That's what I'm saying. Do? So, like, so, all the credit, you know, give some credit to Ring of Honor, but give a lot to those guys too, because I think they've done a great job 
of 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 promoting themselves and, and and getting themselves out there. And I'm fascinated to see what happens this September with Marty Scroll. I th- I think you know WWE is obviously in play, AEW is in play, but this is a weird guy, man. You never know what the next step is going to be for Marty Scroll. He, he tends to, you know, like you've said before, like kind of go away from the norm and go away from what a lot of people predict he's going to do. And, you know, even when he went to ring about the original time, it was like, Oh, okay. All right. That's kind of weird, but all right, let's do it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the next step for is for Marty scroll. I, I have no clue, but I think the villain enterprise stuff has been pretty fun. And, and a lot of it is, is those guys making it special for themselves. Marty Skrull has often made what appeared at the time to be head scratching career choices, but it always seems to work out. And I think that everyone thinks it's like a given that he's just going to moonwalk on to fucking TNT on Wednesday night, October, whatever, right? But being separated from those guys for all this time, sometimes it changes things. You know, it gives you a different perspective. And he'll be in demand, obviously. And it wouldn't stun me if he doesn't just do the chalk decision that everyone thinks he's going to make and just end up in AEW. I mean, if ROH comes and makes a strong money offer, maybe he still feels like he can be the top guy there. Don't laugh too hard. Oh, one sec. All right, go ahead. I think it's it's been good about recording that lately. I think it has a three hour limit where it drops the recording. It's kind of happened at the same time both times, but uh, just pick up wherever you, you left off. I forget what you were saying. Okay. So anyway, we had a little recording snafu there, but I was talking about Marty Skrull. And uh, look, you know, it's just I, I I don't think it's an absolute given that he ends up with AEW. I would still make them the clubhouse leaders, but listen, you know, there's a revived impact out there. I don't know if that'd be a necessarily be a good career choice, but it's someone who could make a play. Uh, I'm sure ring of honor would love to have him back. Uh, WWE still looms obviously. So, and then there's AEW and, and you just, he's, he's been very, he's made, he has zigged when others have zagged before. And I don't know that it's just an absolute given that he ends up with his, with his, uh, with his alleged pals in AEW. Um, I'm not trying to hint at any heat between anybody, but, you know, those guys are off doing their own thing, and he kind of got left behind, and maybe he wants to do his own thing. You, you just, you never know. So, uh, we'll see. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I mean, I think the clubhouse favorite is probably still AEW, but like you're saying, it's not a, a, a 100% given. Of course. Like, I wouldn't say definitively the second his Ring of Honor thing expires that he's going to waltz out there on AEW TV. I have no idea about that. I'm sure that they're going to make the biggest play, and I'm sure that they're going to be the favorites, but yeah, I don't think anything's out of the question. About the NWA run for old Marty Scroll. I mean, never he's know. A, who knows then with Marty? He's you never. I mean, who knows? You know, maybe they, maybe they, you know, they throw big money at him to be the guy they build around. You know, you don't. There's just a lot of different options. And the thing about Scroll is he's also been very smart at multiple times with short term contracts. Yes. You know, he'll he'll sign a six month deal. He's done that before, and he'll sign a three month deal and and continue to. Um, you know, work his leverage to get the best deal possible. So I don't know. He's, he's a kind of a, he's a different kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. New Japan so, is, we, we didn't mention it, them it, too. They're, they're, in, they're possibly in play too. Absolutely. He's been there. Every time he come, every time he comes back to new Japan, he's still super right. over with the crowd. So, uh, yeah, that, that's definitely 
a possibility. All right, move on to the World TV title here. We got Shane Taylor, the champion, defending against Tracy Williams and Flip Gordon. I thought Shane Taylor quit, but apparently he's unquit. What's going on in the hell with this story? Yeah, it's just a dumb <laughs> angle. Um, they're trying to get some attention. And they did get attention for a day, I guess. Um, nobody bought it, and everyone kind of just mocked it. But um, when was the last time you talked about Shane Taylor I guess, outside I guess, of that? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess there's two different ways to look at it, right? Um, but yeah, so Flip Gordon is is, is a heel now. Um, I know, I do remember him being a heel, yes, I do know that. So. Yeah, and you know, you got Tracy Williams in there, so I don't know. <laughs> what a preview. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Tracy I mean, Williams I is say. also I mean, there. <laughs> he is also there. I mean, you're not doing shit. You're not doing shit, though. I mean, uh, uh, for people that don't watch Ring of Honor TV, I mean, I follow the results. I know kind of what's going on. That, I, there's nothing to talk. I mean, what? There's a reason nobody's talking about this show. There's a reason no one's talking about Ring of Honor. There's a reason when we talked about the weekly TV that we said that Ring of Honor is out of sight, out of mind. It's uh, that's where Ring of Honor is in 2019. Yeah, and I mean, Tracy Williams. He was like that other guy in Catchpoint. And now he's just like that one generic dude in Lifeblood. I what am I supposed to say about Tracy Williams? Like, I don't know. He's in the match too, but um. (laughs) Then your main event here, (laughs) your main event, Matt Taven versus Roosh. So uh, I I think I don't know if you and I talked about this, but there uh, there there came a, a news note. Uh, a few weeks back, that Matt Taven's contract was also up in September, which I can't believe. That had to be yeah. a lie. <laughs> what the yeah. fuck are we doing? No. Oh, my God. Um, well, his contract presumably may um, be up. He's got this world title match. Roosh should win this, but I, who knows? Who knows? Look. Everything we've heard all year was that Roosh was going to beat Matt Taven for the title at the back end right. of the year. So here's the match. We know Matt Taven's contract I is coming up. I still can't up. believe that. And everything, and everything we've been told is that Matt Taven doesn't want to resign. So <laughs> this all points to Roosh winning the match. Which of course means that Matt Taven is going to win the match. <laughs> because this is Ring of Honor. And then still have his contract expire, um, and then they'll just have to vacate the title and have it in a tournament or something like that. So. Yeah. But I mean... It's just the whole irony of it, where it's the reason you couldn't put the title on Marty Skrull because you want Frey's going to leave, <sighs> and then you put it on a guy whose contract is expiring before Marty right, and Skrull's tells you he doesn't want to resign. Expiring. Who tells that could you be leverage? That well, could be leverage yeah. too, which is smart. And it could be. That's right. And and who is also less over than Marty Skrull is as well. So I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how to even approach this company is exhausting oh my god it's like i don't even know if it's exhausting it's more the the emotion is more like confounding like you just you 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 read things about ring of honor and you watch their shows and you're just you can't believe it you really can't believe i mean when i when i when i do chime in with their tv or i do watch it i'm just stunned by where they've gone and where, where they are. I mean, I had a buddy who went to one of the, the Chicago show recently. And, and this is a guy I don't, I, I, I think he might listen to the show every so often. I don't know if he does every time, but him and I used to go, we were front row for every Ring of Honor show for, for like five years. We would go. And, and he sent me a picture and he said, Rich, what the hell's going on with Ring of Honor? Because like, I, I don't know if he follows all this sort of stuff or whatnot. He just shows up to the shows. He's a guy who just, Ring of Honor's in town. I'm going to go to Ring of Honor. He showed up and he said, he took a picture yeah. and he said, Rich, what the fuck is going on with Ring of Honor? 
and there was like three rows of seats around the ring. And we were just there two years ago, and there were 12 rows all around the ring, all for the bleachers. There was three rows. He he walked in and bought a front row ticket in Chicago for a show. And he's like, and he doesn't know what's going on. He goes, what the fuck happened here? And I had to go, oh, boy, well, here's the story. And I had to set up a bunch of things. And, he, you know, he enjoyed the show. It was fine. It was an okay show. But it's just like, who do they serve? Like, well, who is the Ring of Honor fan these days in 2019? Don't know. Like, who, are, who is that hypothetical uh, person? Matt yeah. Taven. Matt Taven. Yeah, Madison Square Taven, I guess, is it. It's so. the, you know, the Madison Square Taven fans. And, I mean, I don't know. I, it's like MLW can go to Chicago and run that Cicero building. And run with Lucha guys. And oh, yeah, they're going to do it on November, right? what, November 2nd for that super fight. That's going to be packed. It's going to be huge. We got Roosh and Bandito here. And, I mean, you know, they go, you know, they'll bring those guys to Chicago and there's three rows of seats. So I don't. And in theory, Roosh should be able to outdraw or, you know, draw just as well as the guys at MLW uses. I don't understand. I don't know who the Ring of Honor fan is anymore. I don't know. I really don't. Um, you look at this show and there's a lot of talent on it. You feel like there's a good card on here somewhere, right? You know, you move some oh, things around, you book some Joe, have you looked at the tickets for Death Before Dishonor? It's not good, Rich. Joe. Rich, I, okay, so the front row, both front rows are filled. Right. So that's good. Or three, all, all, all one, two, three, five. There's five front rows. Those are all filled. On the right side, the next three rows are completely available. 100% available. On the left side, the next four and a half, the three and a half rows are no completely one goes available. To these shows. They just. You, this it, is. Holy shit. This thing's in two days. What the bad. fuck? Oh my God. It's really bad. What are they going to do? How do they shoot this? <laughs> I'm looking at this. I'm looking at where the seating chart is. And these aren't even secondary tickets. This is Ticketmaster. This is like first available right. tickets. The fir- the three rows after the front row are completely one hundred percent available. It, I could buy I could buy thirteen tickets in the second row for their pay per view in two bad. days. What the no, fuck? No one what are cares. You doing? No, no juice. No <sighs> buzz. No fans. It's bad. <laughs> I mean, I almost didn't want to talk about this show even, but I'm glad we did because it, it allowed us to do this. But there's been uh, many a pay-per-views that have come and gone and we haven't talked about. And, and man, I, I suppose I'll try to watch the show. I guess I have to kind of watch I the mean, show. But you know, Game Changer can go to the same cities and, and triple their crowds. Right. Mm-hmm. With no TV. And, you know, special talent. I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, some, unbelievable. Some talent that, that they have done a great job getting over that, you know, Ring of Honor wouldn't hire most of them, but they'll outdraw them, you know, three, four times in the same cities. So, I I don't know. It's 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 an ugly, ugly situation. And you have to wonder, the TV ratings have to be dropping as well, right? If interest is down at the house. Oh, they got to be. So at what point? Absolutely. I mean, if nobody's showing up to the shows, I doubt all those fans, the te- the thousand fans that were going to the shows that now are not going to the shows are still running home and watching, you know, on their Sinclair affiliate Ring of Honor TV every week that you, you'd be out of your mind to think that that's. Yeah. So my point here is at what point does Ring of Honor no longer become 
something to throw on Sinclair's television that cuts a small profit and eats up television time and to where it becomes something that doesn't draw any viewers, loses money on the road, and becomes a red mark on the P&L. You have to start asking questions, right? I mean, then all of a sudden it's not the thing that they don't pay attention to anymore because it makes a small profit and eats up TV hours. It becomes something that's losing money. And at that point, right? why, you know, at that point, why keep it around? And yeah, and you, you've seen cuts, too. If you watch Ring of Honor TV and Ring of Honor pay-per-views, I mean, their lighting is, is, is definitely downgraded. Uh, their arena setup has downgraded. Yeah. Um, their arena you know, presence, you know, from, from the pictures that my friend took at the show, like, a lot of that's dropped as well. So there, there's clearly something going on there in terms of, of, of budgetary-wise. I mean, they've definitely reduced the budget that they've given Ring of Honor as of late. And that's not even adding in the New Japan thing, the thing that New Japan was really propping them up for a long amount of time, the elite New Japan. And New Japan's running their own shows in their market on the same weekend. Three sellouts, by the way. Yeah. Three yeah. sellouts the same weekend. So they have a really valuable tape library that they, yeah, that they that do. I think that there's probably three interested buyers in. You know, WWE would love to have that tape library. I'm sure Anthem would love to have that tape library. Stick it on Impact Plus. And I'm sure that uh, Tony Khan would love the rights to All In and that tape library. So, um, you know, just something to think about if things continue to go the way they're going. What a note to end on! Is there something we can, something fun we can talk about to end the show? Or that was a that was a crawl to death that end there with Ring of maybe, Honor. God, maybe. Maybe we should buy the tape library and put it up on our... I was going to say, how much is it? You're right. How much is it? That's, it's, it's the thing like where Jericho mentioned, uh, I think he's mentioned this a bunch of times, where when he found out what Vince McMahon bought WCW for, he was like, fuck. <laughs> like, I wish I would have known that that was the price. Like, I could have found something to do with that. And fuck, if the tapes are just sitting in my garage, like, that's still kind of worth it. Like, that, that's one of those yeah. things that, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll slide into those Joe Coff DMs and see what it's worth. Because, uh, hey, you know... Maybe at Billy would be interested in that tape library for his little uh, studio TV outfit that he's opening up in a couple weeks. There's probably a lot of people who'd be interested in that tape library. That's four perspective yes, buyers. Yes, and hopefully it can actually figure out how to monetize it, which uh, Ring of Honor has not figured out how to Correct. do either. It's, it's been like eight years. that they've had It is stunning like... how much they piss away the, that tape. Probably because they're too lazy to scrub the music. I guarantee you that's the reason. Yeah, exactly. All you'd have to do is scrub the music or, or remove the entrances. Yep. That's it. And just haven't gotten around I to it. I guarantee so. you that's the I <laughs> One promise you that I could almost guarantee that's the reason. 100%. They don't 100%. want to hire people to scrub that fucking music or edit those entrances. All right, well, that was our Ring of Honor Designer preview. I hope you uh, enjoyed that. Uh, you can watch I, it this weekend on uh, Fight TV and uh, Normally, we talk about things so. and we, we help entice people to buy things. <laughs> we may have, even if you wanted to buy that show, I think now you've, you've, you've definitely canceled say, the order. We have talked people out of buying that show. <laughs> There's somebody that was really excited to see Roosh win the world title that has now walked over to their you know TV and Canceled. Yeah. The, the Every order. time we do a show, we'll get the random drop in the mention. Someone will be like, "Hey, I uh, I subscribed to New Japan World this week because you guys were talking." Or 
I bought this or I watched this. We're going to have people pop in our mentions that say, I canceled my purchase of Death Before Dishonor <laughs> after right. hearing your preview of the show. I know. I sent an email to Fight to cancel yes. it. So at Fight TV, please cancel my order. Oh, boy. Well, there you go. Uh, anyway, that was Death Before Dishonor. That was our preview. And that was an edition of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Of course, you want to uh, go to our sponsor, mybookie.ag. Use the promo code VOICES in your first deposit. They will double. So if you're doing some NFL betting, some NCAA betting this weekend, mybookie.ag is the only place to do it. Use promo code VOICES. Double your first deposit. Uh, VoiceWrestling.com. All of our previews and reviews of all the stuff going on this weekend, uh, including a fights, Funny Spirit Unleashed preview that's up there right now. Some new uh, Wrestling Observer newsletter content as well. Also, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon. Uh, the new Fall Brawl recall series is up there. I'm looking at old Fall Brawl main events. Uh, you have Joe Vember, who remembers, still kicking along. You have the TV reviews. Some other good stuff, too. We are going to launch a Wrestling Observer newsletter Hall of Fame uh, episodes here in a little bit. I have one up there right now. It's just kind of a primer, uh, an introduction to the Hall of Fame. And then now we're going to have some really, really cool guests uh, over the next few weeks here talking about every one of the categories, breaking down the wrestlers. Uh, so it should be some really good stuff. You should get some real good value. Uh, out of your Patreon subscription for the rest of this month and uh, moving forward, too. So uh, that and uh, last but not least, of course, if you uh, we mentioned it during the middle of the show. But uh, if you have any of the Voice Wrestling Podcast uh, Network shows that you really enjoy listening to, uh, check out that new donate button on the red circle. It's a great way to support your podcast that you love. The ones that might not get ads are the ones that might get ads. Regardless, uh, throw them a few bones and, and, and let them know that you appreciate uh, the free content they give you guys uh, every single week. And for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Creech. We'll see you next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care.